What's going on, everyone? Have you, have you come? To, have you, you joining us? Ah, oh, hello. Welcome to the 86th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And Jamie, as I look around, um, I'm just trying to work out the, chron- it's the Chronicles of... Hang on. There's so much in here. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, oh, I found it. James Scarlett? It's the one. Oh, amazing. Amazing. This is a good one. Guys, you're going to love this. It's going to be great. I want to keep going, but I can't think of any more words because my brain's going, no, no, just get on with the show, please, Ginger. We don't need this here. Um, So we'll crack on. Hit it! This is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers. It's Boba Fett here. This is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl. It's WWE superstar legend, Davy Boy Smith's daughter, Georgia Smith. Hi, this is James from 2000 Trees and Art Tangent, and you are listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Serial innovation must have stopped in the 90s. Pluto's my boy, Pluto's my game. Pluto is where I put my name. Bring me back my white chocolate cocoa pops. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 86th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these, 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 these are the Chronicles of James Scarlet. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me, as always, as always, this handsome bugger right here. It's Scotsman Tom. I definitely can't work the song out. These tears don't fall. They oh, crash okay. me. Nice. Makes sense. Makes sense. Bullet obviously headlining 2000 Trees this year. Uh, and we have one of the owners, one of the directors, one of the band bookers on the show this week, Mr. James Scarlett. So very excited to get this one out, boys and oh, girls. Yeah. This is going to oh, be wonderful. Yeah. Jamie, who looked at their dead pet and went, that needs stuffing. <laughs> yeah, that that you know what that looked great on my mantelpiece, actually. It just, you know, just completely dead, but stuffed, full of whatever they stuff it with. Um, you know, taxidermy is one of the most mental jobs ever. How do you even learn how to stuff dead animals? It's not so much how do you learn, it's what the fuck makes you want to do that for a living? I, I just think it's absolutely... I get people get upset, people, you know, oh, I miss my dog, I miss my cat, but surely you'd rather have the memories when they were alive rather than them just sat dead yeah. on your on your mantelpiece or on your fireplace or, I don't know, on your TV rack or something. I don't know. Palax <laughs> uh, unit that I've got. Um, it, it just... I just don't know who looked, who then went, I really, really want to stuff animals full of stuff for a living. I, I don't get it. Bring them back to life. It's weird. So weird. Just, here's an idea, guys. If you miss your pet, put a photo up on the wall. Just, you don't need to stuff them and put them in place. What would be weirder is if we did it with humans and family members. Up. So well, this, that's just the point I was going to get to. That's the point I was going to get to. Like, what... If it gets that sort of point where it's like, oh, I really miss grandma. That's all right, love, because she's in the living room. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, God. She's right, she's right there. Look at her. And it's just like that. Just like <laughs> completely still. Just like without even waiting for that. 
They just make a horror. Is there a horror film about Taxton? It's got to be, surely. It's got to be. There has got to be. Could you imagine coming home, pissed as a fart, not knowing what's left and what's right, and walking in and seeing grandma on the sofa who's been dead for years? You would be freaked the fuck out. That, or it get even weird if you're like, hey, do you come here often? Yeah. <laughs> Granddad's on a tip. No. <laughs> oh, Eleanor, I miss you. Oh. <laughs> if, I were, if I were six years older. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just really, it's because I saw it on TV. I was watching Gogglebox and it came up and it was someone had had their cat stuffed. I was going to say taxidermied, but I don't think that's a word. Um, they'd had their cat like reanimate, like brought back to life via taxidermy. And she was like, oh my God. Like, and then one of the presenters was like, as, as they captured his personality, his personality, he's fucking dead. He has no like, personality. What, what are you about? Like, no. And then his eyes were like, ah. and it's like, N- no, no, not for me. Not- I think Dermot O'Leary was just like, they're going, oh my fucking God. <laughs> but he was trying not to make his, like, trying to let his face know. Because <laughs> when, when it came up, it was in a fucking box as well. When it came out of the box, he was there going, oh my shit. We're really, we're doing, are we really doing this fuck, really? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone that owns a stuffed animal, but it wasn't one of her pets. She just brought it because it really amused her because my friend's weird. But uh, yeah, she calls it Captain Prickle Paws. I think it's an it's not an otter. What is it? I can't remember what it is. I think it's like a meerkat or something. Yeah, Captain Prickle Paws. She put a hat on it and everything. It's not an actual pet of hers, but she just found it in a charity shop, if memory serves, and was really amused by it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have weird their own. Each their own. Um, but do you want to know something that absolutely blew my mind? Always. And is now about to blow yours. I'm ready. Okay. If you take all the British coin that exists right now and put it together, it makes a shield. Wait, what? Yeah. True story. Yes. And I'm going to send you the photo. Of it, so we can put it up on here so people can see it. But genuinely, it makes a fucking shield. I've never noticed this before. You know, again, I've never the, you know, got, no, well, then neither have I. But then it, you know, you look at it, it's got like one of them's got the, the, the line on it, and one's got like it's got weird shapes and stuff on it. Because when you put them all together, it makes the British, I British shield. I know that. No, did I? That's so, actually pretty cool. I just a like random it. little factoid for you there. So I like that. Um, yeah, that just really, really threw me. Um, but Jamie, yes. yesterday I met Captain Personality. Um, I went and took my PlayStation 4 into CX because uh, I've now acquired a PlayStation 5. Um, took my PS4 into CX and they were playing Electric Cowboy Hyper Hyper. I was like, oh my God, what an absolute tune in the middle of Newport CX. This is amazing. Amazing. So loving life, just enjoying a bit of electric cord by walking through. And I, I went to the counter and he was like, oh, can I help you? I was like, mate, first of all, this is an absolute tune. And he went, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and then, I so can I feel like, your oh, excitement. Yeah, I was like, oh, can I trade my PS4? And he was like, oh, yeah. He goes, absolutely. Have you got a HDMI? And I was like, no. They get charged you to their HDMI. He's like, what? What? I didn't fuck. I didn't. Two quid, apparently. 
If you want your shit tested, make sure you're fucking taking HDMI cable with you. I mean, I would, I didn't go, oh, but, you know, I'm fucking slow away. I better take my HDMI cable with me. So fucking weird. Um, yeah, you get charged for using it. Anyway. That's weird. But put it all through, yada, yada, yada. And then another song came on, which is which is by a band called Egypt Central. It's called Over and Under. It's from the early 2000s. It's a proper new metal song. It's fucking amazing as well. So I was loving that. And I was like, dude, this place is amazing. He went, is it? You're enjoying the AI-created playlist on Spotify, are you? And I was a bit like, you're a fucking dick. Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Captain Personality. Do just trying to have a bit of banter, a bit of fun. You know, just engage in a bit of conversation here. And then the girl, a girl comes past who works with him and was like, what did he say? He's like, oh, he's just celebrating the fact that an AI created made this playlist on Spotify. Like, you are a fucking knob. What? I, I what? Like, yeah, cool, thanks, man. I know. I was like, cool, cheers, bud. I was just trying to engage in conversation, but never mind, yeah. He's clearly done all his CEX customer service training. Well, yeah, done I know, you. tell me, right? <laughs> Absolute knobhead. I walked into CEX the other day because I told you I had a massive clear out of all my CDs and DVDs. Yes. Lugged three fucking bags to CEX and turn around and go, we're not taking DVDs anymore. We've got a, we've got a warehouse full. I don't think many of our stores are taking them now. I was like, I'm not carrying these back to the car. So I just went and gave them all to the charity shop. I was like, fuck this. I'm not carrying all these back to the car. It's you know what? Because everyone's fucking doing it now, clearly. Yeah. I was like, let's be fair. I've got three giant bags here. I'm probably going to get about 20 quid. Fuck it. I'll just take it to the charity shop. I'll be fine. Oh, Jamie. We had so I was like, carried them all the way there because there's no parking near the shop. I was like, I am not carrying all this back. I turned to Becky. I was like, what are we going to do now? She was like, we're not going to town. I was like, I could put my music magpie. She's like, can you bother to scan them all? I was like, no, nah, not really. She's like, should we go to a charity shop? I was like, yeah, sorry. Come on. <laughs> so there's a new one called Zip It, which you would have taken them all, and they'd come and collect it. Well, I didn't know that existed. I could have done this information a couple of days ago. Sorry, bud. Eh. It's all good. It's all good. But, like, who buys them anymore? Like, I, no. I went to HMB, you know, I was like, really? Still DVDs and Blu-rays going? Like, why? Yeah, barely got any left now. I kept all my superhero stuff because it's, you know, my little collection. Becky's kept all the Disney stuff and kept a couple of box sets and random bits and stuff like that. Kept Disney stuff? There's a fucking streaming site for it. She wants to keep them. And Marvel. She wants to keep them. I want to keep them. I like like Disney Plus. I'm on in my little collections, all right? All the rest, all gone. All gone. I had something I wanted to bring to you this week as well. Do you know how we like to talk about random movie tropes that make Fuck all sense. Thank God it wasn't poo. Yeah, go on. No, no, no poo this week. Oh, I need to think of another poo fact. Anyway. No, um, please don't. <laughs> I was, I was listening, I can't what podcasters listen to now, and they mentioned this, and I was like, that is a really good point. When you watch a film and an ATM hole in the wall, cash machine, whatever, breaks, why do they always spray money out like it's coming out of a fucking hose? Have you ever seen an ATM give money in that way? I really fucking wish. Oh, no. How amazing would that be? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm like, fucking right. I'll it's raining, George. Hallelujah. Right. It's raining, Churchill. Amen. Do you know what I mean, though? Have you seen it? When it's my bread, it flies yeah. out. I'm like, no cash machine gives out money like this. Why Why? Why would a broken one do this? Doesn't it normally just open and you've got to put your hand in and take it out? What? I think normally if it breaks, it just goes, error, error. Error, and then it just like flashes up or whatever, and it just doesn't do anything, or just eats your card. Or, or in my case, they just don't work when you really need to find a cash point. I mean, not long ago, I was desperately trying to find. We went to about four in the end, and 
it took us about four attempts to find a working one. Because everyone you're like, there's one! Get out of the car, go over there. Sorry, not in order. Son of a bitch! These scammers, boys. Bloody shit. Um, but yeah, made me chuckle. No, no, <laughs> but um, finally, uh, I was sat watching, I think I was watching wrestling. It was I was watching something. It might, it might have been Simpsons. I had something on TV. And there was just this music outside. It was just so loud. I was like, what the hell is this? So I was like, yeah, thanks, mate. If I want to listen to your shit, I would have put it, you know, whatever. I was like, that's why I like to put my own music on and drown them out. So I went on the balcony to have a look. I'm not joking. There was a dude making a music video. Wait, what? There was a guy, there was a guy walking with the camera, walking backwards. And he was just going, yeah, in it, bruv, in it, bruv. Yeah, we have cars and bangs and hoes and shit in it, bruv. Yeah, we have knives and stab shit and fucking shoot things up, bruv, in it. Yeah, we have cars and be driving fucking really quickly, bruv, in it. And I was just like, Greatest awesome. rap song ever. You're fucking cool. Um, having a weird-ass Newport Bridge behind you um, and the river and then where I live. You could have been a music video. <laughs> imagine they... I'm, free... I'm on the top floor, so... so... Imagine it pans back and it's just you on the balcony going, quick, shut the fuck up. Try yeah, to watch literally. the Simpsons. <laughs> but it just... I mean, he had absolutely no charisma. It's just like, yeah, bruv, and then come the thing, and then this happened. And it's like, yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, it just, I don't know. I'm, am I getting cynical at my old age? Probably. Um, if people want to do that, that's absolutely fine. That's up to them. It just disturbed my Saturday evening, and I wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? Are you well? I'm good. I'm uh, rather tired, but yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. I just feel, would really like to have a day where I'm not doing something. I'm so tired. If you go to the gym at 3am, my friend, what, what, what do you expect? That's hey? not even why I'm tired. It's because I've done five days last week on a split shift. So I work, I was off Monday and work five days and I was off one day for Sunday. But you can't rest because you've got so much shit to do because you've been at work all week and you need to catch up and do personal stuff. And I'm doing five days straight again. And I've gone for doing lates to earlies. So my system is just going... <laughs> And I'm really fucking tired. That's why I like having a normal job. I'd like one of those, but I like the money I get in this one, so it's fine. Then you can't complain, can you? I'm <laughs> really British. Of course I can complain. It's in my blood. <laughs> Just be careful if you go to Birmingham because we're coming. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I'm I'm all right, man. I'm okay. Uh, I'm just, I don't know, nothing really happens. So it, I'm not, I'm not, I struggled to get up this morning, which is weird. Um, but I was playing Rocket League till about 1 in the morning. So that might explain it. Might um, it. Not really weird, now, is it? <laughs> so, you know, but I just, I was just like, I just don't want to get up. That's this is the thing for working from home. I'm always like, no, I'll get up in a minute. Oh, I'll get up in a minute. Because my office, my bed is here. My office is here. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, I'll go up in a minute. Laptop's just sat on the desk. It's been like, yeah, I'll open it. I'll call my coffee now. <laughs> See, this it's is made me so lazy. This is why I couldn't work at home. When, I used to, when Becky used to do it, I used to do it, and I was like, I could not fucking do this. No, 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 no. I don't know how I've lasted six months, to be honest with you. Um, but it's there been we are. that long? Fuck yeah. No, November I started to... Yeah, I know. It's nuts, isn't it? Jesus. It's really nuts. But can you say pass probation, Jamie? Pass probation, Jamie. Boom. 
Yeah. I passed my fucking probation, Jamie. That's yeah. my boy. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. So incredible. That's what I like to see. Thanks, boys. So uh, what's been what's been going on? <laughs> Uh, not a lot, to be honest. As I said, I've done nothing but bloody Rihanna. I feel like I live in that place at the minute. And the past two days have been shifts from hell. Like today, it's just been awful. I've just, oh, no staff. Everyone's phoned in sick, incredibly busy. And then the guy I was working with turned around and went, oh, I'll tell you what, this has been the shift from hell. All we need now is a helicopter to come in. Ten minutes after he says it, Beep, 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 trauma by air. I was like, Mike, you son of a bitch. You jinxed us. We actually got down from the helipad about two minutes before my shift ended. I was like, not happy. But I mean, you work in a hospital. You can't really have like shift timers, can you? To be honest with you, if shit happens, shit happens, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's I... so weird. It's so weird how it's like, oh, you know, work was so busy because it's a hospital. It's, it, it kind of almost can't complain about about it in a way because it's people <laughs> no i know exactly what you mean it's just like oh come on it's because we started the shift like we covered all the things we had we got this plan together it was all sorted then suddenly another person phones in sick and another person has to leave early and another person's running late and we're just like it was running so smoothly and now it's all doomed again ah yeah it's just not a good not a good thing you do your classic jamie thing where you just do it all anyway because they ask you to you go okay <laughs> I didn't do that. Anymore. Good man. Yeah. Mm. Like, mm. I start on time and I finish on time. It's great. But yeah, mostly that's all I've been doing. On my day off, we carried on sorting and clearing out a spare room. We went and picked up a sofa bed. So we've got that now. Just trying to get rid of all the old shit now. So that's getting nicely. We're getting ready for this weekend because we're going to decorate Olivia's bedroom. Uh, we did a wonderful interview yesterday, which was absolutely amazing. But Saturday is the only real eventful thing I did this week. I went to my first ever Eurovision party. Oh, dear me. Basically, Becky's friends were having a night out for our friend's birthday and they turned into a Eurovision party. I couldn't really not go. But my Eurovision party was really surreal because I got to go to a Eurovision party featuring Silenos from Dimmu Borgir while he was dressed as Anna from ABBA. That happened. Not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. Really nice guy. Finally got to meet him. In context, he's going out with one of my friends. But yeah... It was yeah, it was a good night to be fair. I, I find it, I found myself getting a bit more into it than I thought I would because Finland got fucking robbed. They should have won. That song for Finland was brilliant. But they but they didn't because Sweden got more votes. So yeah. they didn't get robbed. It was rigged, I came, tell you. It was fucking it rigged. Came second. It was rigged. Okay. Okay. I just thought Iceland just obviously paused Mortal Kombat so he could do his thing and then fuck off to go fight again. <laughs> There was some half decent songs. I don't get the massive hype where people are like, This is my event of the year. I must watch this religiously. It's so amazing. I wasn't that invested in it. I just thought it was a bit of fun. People get way too into it. It's a bit weird. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've done this week. I haven't really watched anything. I haven't even picked a new program to watch, like my little binging program to myself. I can't think of anything I want to watch. So I might need some help with this one. I need to pick something. Although after our conversation with the guests we interviewed yesterday, I think I might know what I'm going to try and check out. So we'll, we'll find out. What about you, Definitely sir? Rab- Definitely rabbit hole, yeah. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. It's, the finale was great. Um, uh, what have I been doing? That's a good question. Uh, oh, I, I purchased myself a PS5 um, because I, you know, my PS4 was starting to 
you know, when you turn on, it goes. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I think uh, I think the fan is struggling a little bit here. Um, but I'm not joking. When I was cleaning it out to take it to CEX, like the the fucking dust in the fan holes, I was like, ah. <laughs> It all makes sense actually now. Pull, I actually pulled out and went, oh, damn, so I got some tweezers, and I'm not joking. Like I was, It's like I was pulling forever. So <laughs> it's like when clowns have the handkerchiefs on their sleeves. It was literally like that. It's like... I was waiting for a pie to hit me in the face. So I was doing that for a little bit. Obviously, I've been re-entering. The weekend, I did absolutely nada. It was great. Um, Karis is, is very unwell so it, it was a case of just rest and relax so that's literally what I did so caught up on a lot of wrestling, watch the footy um, watch the footy mate watch the footy um, with the lads I don't know, well I have no lads here to well. enjoy with them with so you know um, yeah so did a little bit of that I uh, started a show called uh, The Last Thing He Said which is on Apple TV with Jennifer Garner and Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones, whose name is Nicolaj something something. Yes. Um, sorry if he's listening. I do apologise. Um, <laughs> if you are listening, come on our show, please. All that, yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> one day, my friend, you never know, do you? You just don't know. You don't know who listens to the show, so you know. Um, I completely butchered your name, so I do apologise. But that that was all right. It's a bit. I like things that are like bang bang boom boom. Here we go, ah, straight away. Whereas mm. it's just like, oh, I'll be there in a minute. Just like, yeah, great. This it, it was you know how like old people pull off at junctions, like it's like really fucking slow. Yeah. Um yeah, so I literally felt like I had road rage for TV, it was weird. Um yeah, finished rabbit hole, like I just said. Uh great show, great series. If you've not seen it, you need to. Highly recommend. Um so that was a show that was like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? What happened there? What the when is fucking falling off that? Ah! Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed that show. Um, and I finally, finally, finally watched the return of COVID, uh, post COVID South Park to oh. the two hour special. Oh my god, it's amazing! Is it? I've, I've seen a Absolutely few clips, so I need, yeah, I'll need to watch it. It's great. So I'm going to watch the streaming wars now. I've not seen that yet. Um, but it's all on Paramount, so it's great. Just fucking start smashing out a bit of Paramount. Paramount's all right, it's not amazing, but. Um, it's got South Park on it, so that'll do me fine. But other than that, James, I didn't do the interview last night. I mean, oh, 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 oh. I see what I did do. I did a Razor's Edge interview last Friday, which got dropped today, uh, which was with Mike from Devil Driver. Uh, and that was 50 minutes of absolute beauty. I mean, he did talk about a lot of 80s bands, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jamie? <laughs> He's like, oh, Def Leppard with this band, with it, when this person, this person did that, those songs, and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. So I went, yeah, I, re- I was like, I really liked When Love and Hate Collide, because they don't know. <laughs> he went, oh, so do you have like that? So we blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, is, it is awesome. It is great. Uh, and I really, really, so thank you to the Razor's Edge for letting me, you know, giving me the reins to speak to Devil Driver and Buck Cherry in one week. Uh, yeah, that's two, nuts. Yeah, two huge interviews in, you know, back to back. So, no, it was great. Um, there's a little Devil Driver spoiler. There's a little, you know, bit of exclusive at the very end of the interview. So if, you, if you're if you a massive Devil Driver fan, I'd highly recommend you go and check that bad boy out. 
So it's cool as fuck. Um, so yeah, other than that, James, we're both quite tired. We're both, you know, off to a very slow start. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Well, if you will go to the gym, Jamie Westwood. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I tell you what, we'll we'll pick it back up for Jamie's favorite segment. But before we get there, before we get there, let's hear from Braden at Stay Cozy. All right, is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing, your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring the Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, the Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boys. Oh. Uh, Jamie. Yes, Shall sir. we uh, get to your little favorite segment here? Oh, definitely. Start with Calum Streetchins. Yes. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Callum is back, ladies and gentlemen. Treach the nation. Treach the world. Treach the universe. Let's begin. Jamie, what is Callum treaching us this week? Millions of people wake up at exactly the same time every single day because that's the time they set their alarm clock on their phone for. That's a very oh, good point. That's so a bit crazy. creepy. Is it? A little bit, because if it, most people say, say nine to five is your general start time. So most people probably set an alarm for about seven, I'm going to guess. So that's a fuck ton of people setting an alarm for seven o'clock in the morning. That's a really it's amazing. Good... It's amazing how alarms are turned. They're like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> from like all the way across the country. <laughs> I mean, like this. Like one big fucker, ah, like foghorn or something. Just hear it in succession going down your road. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. Obviously, phones aren't that loud. Um, I mean, mine fucking is, I suppose. But everyone getting up to the teeth that said, uh, that's so crazy. weird, man. That's weird. It's weird. Uh, have you ever, because I think we woke up and go, oh, oh Dave will be up and Haley will be up and Heather will be up and Paul will be up and Dave will be up and Steve will be up and Owen will be up. Like, <laughs> Do you think all the people you work with who you know start at the same time as you more, more than likely have set their alarm for the exact same time? Because you're just like, we're all up together, team. Let's go. It's so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. I mean, I go for 8.50. To start so, with mine. <laughs> yeah. Because like I said, Jimmy, my bed is here and my office is here. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I literally roll over and straight to seat like, oh, yeah, no, David Gunn, what's going on? Um, and it oh, gets no. to me and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Sorry, yeah, coffee. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe he ate that pig hole. <laughs> what? <laughs> I start work in 10 minutes. I need my morning poo. I'm going to be late for work. It's only in the next room. I've timed it. I've timed the, the bed. The bathroom is next door to me as well. So, genius. <laughs> um, I time it. I've got my set how I do things. I like it. So, yeah, so everyone's got the routines, man. Oh yeah, I want. I, I I know I I know I like waffed at you earlier for poo jokes, but I wonder if people took a shit at the same time. Would it like <laughs> would the, would the drains and the sewage be like Jesus Christ? I can't handle this much. 
Do you know what I mean? You know, like people have, like literally flushing at the same time with the amount of war. It's not. It's just shit you don't think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, you just don't think about it. You really don't. I'd like you say. What if it like all formed as one big giant fucking creature, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be so weird, wouldn't it? If it all like like Terminator does when he melts. As long as it, oh, oh, we don't want that. Oh, <laughs> one thousand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, we'll oh. we'll uh, we'll move on. We'll move on from from who jokes and and uh, and waking up at the same time. Can you tell me what Callum is preaching this week? I'll go on then. There are generations of kids growing up today. That only know eight planets and didn't know that there used to be nine in our solar system. Dude, that, no, don't do this. To, don't. That's oh, so nuts. It's true because when I did, I think I mentioned it a while ago. I went a few weeks ago. I went to Olivia's school play. They didn't do the planets. I got to the end and I was like, "Where the fuck's Pluto? Where the fuck is Pluto? You, you're leaving my little boy out. Where's Pluto?" And then I was like, "Shit, not planet anymore." Well, hang on, leaving your boy out? Yeah, I don't know. It's mad dramatic. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. <laughs> My boy Pluto, where my boy is Pluto. Where the fuck is he going? <laughs> you best not be dissing my boy Pluto. Uh, You're a yeah, real planet. My boy Pluto. You're fucking me coming on down and going up to Pluto. You know, when he lives on Pluto, when he kills all some bitches and stabs some hoes up on Pluto, isn't it? Pluto's my boy. Pluto's my game. Pluto is where I put my name. Pluto. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm going straight to Newport making a music video in a minute. I'll <laughs> fit. I'll fit right fucking in. And um, uh, um, that is crazy as well because like GCSEs now are numbered. What the fucking hell yeah. is this? I know, right? It's weird. I don't like it. Stop it! Like, what do you mean? Why, why did you change things around? Uh, but obviously, then our parents did O levels, so obviously we did A levels. So obviously we're like fucking twenty times better because they had to do O's and we got A's. But there we are. Um, oh no, it was GCSEs. It's GCSEs and no levels, wasn't it? A levels was still a thing then. I meant GCSEs, not A levels. I do massively apologize. That joke is redundant. Fuck that joke in the ass. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be here. All right, get rid of it. See you later, twat. Um, <laughs> o levels and GCSEs. So we got four letters. They only got one. Yes. Bless them. Very true. Bless them. Very true. I only got... No, I'm joking. I, I, I got all of mine, I think. But not. they weren't great. Mine were... It's uh, such a weird... To be desired, should we say. Oh, that, that makes sense. Uh, but... Hey! <laughs> I mean, it does, but hey! I'm, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. At least you can spell Sterling. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> It, I just don't know why they keep needing to fuck with the education system. I, I don't know. Stop I it. Know. Just leave Just leave it. It's fine as it is. You don't need to keep fucking around with it. Um, the things they fuck no. around with are fine. Fuck with the things that aren't fine. <laughs> Introduce also, life skills, please. Yeah, how to do taxes. Who, <laughs> to, who was the person that went, yeah, we should definitely debunk Pluto now. It's not a planet anymore. Who got to make that decision? Who was that person? Oh, yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, why? What's wrong with Pluto? What did it do wrong to go suddenly lose its planetary status? I was don't it get fucking it? Ron, Ron down Tesco in Gillingham? <laughs> I thought I've added I'll tell you what, sir. I'll tell you what, Sandra, right? There's fucking eight planets in my view. Only eight. 
Gillingham's in the south, but I don't know why I put Yorkshire accent on. <laughs> fucking hell, mate. Fucking Pluto is a, <laughs> not a fucking planet, if you ask me. All right? Safe with southern accent. Tell you what, mate, you got a fat Pluto. It's not a fucking planet, all right, Sandra? I'm fucking Australian now, mate. So for some reason, I'm living in fucking Gillingham because <laughs> fuck Melbourne. It's too fucking hot. Too many fucking snakes. Too many hot babes. Can't be, can't be the other one. It's <laughs> Australia anymore. <laughs> fucking Gillingham is the place to be, mate. Get around for all gillers. Gillers. <laughs> is that what you call yourselves around here? Gillers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a fucking Jill, mate. Fucking League Two Jillingham. That's what we love to see. Can we move on before I get sick? I don't know. (laughs) Talking about Pluto to an Australian living in Gillingham. But I don't know who that prick is that decided that Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. Oh, that was it. He obviously just wanted to get make a name for himself or something. He clearly was like, oh, I don't know how to get my name in the history books. <laughs> I've been straight. So obviously some quote says, Pluto no longer a planet by some twat. <laughs> <laughs> I've been studying astronomy for years. I want to make a statement. I've decided that fucker is no longer a planet. And it's not called Jupiter anymore. It's called Jupiter. <laughs> it's called Uranus. No, it's Uranus. Which would make more sense if it's actually Saturn, because Saturn's got the hoops. <laughs> Who names these fucking planets? <laughs> They're named after Greek gods or something, aren't they? I think so. Somewhere, yeah. So did they not exist before the Greeks? Because the Egyptians are first, apparently. That's a good point. Fuck knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really knows. Was it because the Egyptians were... <laughs> named them by hieroglyphics so there's no actual word for it it's just like this one bird this one <laughs> this, this one weird it. eye with makeup over it makeup over it right we're, I think we're offending Egyptians we better move on probably um, and finally Jamie Callum Callum's treating it again still is, is yeah. it the last one what it is, is it oh the last one Cereal innovation must have stopped in the 90s because you never see new cereals being advertised on TV anymore. That's He's a, got really, a very good point. Very, very Literally, good point. Very good point. What they do is they take the cereal that already exists and put a flavour or a sugar on it and call it frosted or berry. <laughs> <laughs> now, Literally, frosted. I'm waiting for frosted honey nut loops oh. and fucking, oh my God, honey nut loops. Just cereal in, in particular. Uh, fruit and fibre can get in the bin. Like No one wants fruit and fibre, okay? And that all right shit can go as well. But the rest of it's fine. Muesli, Weetabix. The re- but he's got such a great point. But have they, it's like with movies and song, uh, movies and music. It's like they've already got, they've got to a point now where they're like, shit, everything's been done. Better rehash it. Better Do rehash it, boys. Do you feel like if you said to me, think of a new cereal, I'd struggle to think of something that hasn't already been done. I mean, is there a banoffee flavored cereal? I was going to say, other than adding flavor to things that have already existed, like we said before, I can't really think of anything that hasn't already been done. I'm waiting so... for vegan cereal. No, I'm surprised that's not already a thing. Well, it is complex. <laughs> yeah, from cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> They're li- that's 
can't. I'm trying to make this funny, and I can't. It just hate <laughs> I hate those ones. He's like, yeah, he's right. Fuck. I'm, uh... Yeah. I'm literally racking my brain. I know Americans just come up with everything. I think Americans make them by character, don't they, rather than actual. Yeah. yeah. And they put a lot of marshmallow in. They do, yeah. What pisses me off yeah. is when they release a limited edition flavour and then you like really like it and then it vanishes. Like, bring me back my white chocolate cocoa pops now, you bastards. I, I loved knew them. Say that. Loved them. They were so good. And then they disappeared. And I was like, where the fuck are they? Give me them back now. They were all right. They were all right. Cocoa Pops are a bit. Cocoa Pops are a bit boring. They're just tiny, like Rice Krispies. I mean, who loves Rice Krispies? No one loves Rice Krispies. But even then, that's not really yeah. original, is it? We got a Rice Krispie. We made it chocolate instead. It's not really original, are they? It's just something else with a flavour added. But again, it's all character based. I used to, you know, do you remember all those adverts with the monkey and the? Yeah. Do you remember when said the monkey was racist? Was that a thing? I yes. think that was a thing. I feel like I remember this. Cocoa Pops is racist. Or Cocoa Pops are ra- like this world is insane. Um, anyway, we better not dabble in that. We better move on. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, do you remember when the Mighty Boosh sued the Honey Monster? I just remembered about that. No, because I don't like the Mighty Boosh. Is not my thing at all. <sighs> yeah, they did a thing in the Mighty Boosh. It was like a way of singing a song, and then they did it in a Sugar Puffs advert. So they the Mighty Boosh sued them because <laughs> they completely ripped them off. Oh, I see. Sorry, that took me a second. My brain was going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I realised what you're talking about. Weird, weird world we live in. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. So crazy. Anyway, anyway. that was Callum's Tree Chicks. <laughs> An absolute glorious, glorious week. Um, yeah, I hope Shane's all right in Gillingham. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, Gillers. <laughs> but Jamie... Uh... Yes. I now have to follow this. Yes, you do, sir. It's time for Tom's Journal. Read to me. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. So, welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Jamie. Yes. A man is buying a banana, an apple, and two eggs. The female cashier says, well, you must be single. The man answers, wow, how the hell did you know that? She said, because you're ugly. (laughs) Fucks. Poor man. (laughs) Just let the man buy his food in peace, woman. Jesus. So good. It's a nice little dad joke to start you all off there. You bring you all in, make you feel like comfortable it. and sitting and chilling at home. <laughs> Wait, you're Mexican? You don't look Mexican. Yeah, well, what am I supposed to like? A fucking quesadilla? <laughs> Disney teaches us to hate stepmothers. Pornhub, on the other hand, <laughs> takes a completely different approach. <laughs> I never thought we'd be comparing Disney to Pornhub, but here we are. Everyone loves a fucking stepmother on Pornhub for some weird ass reason. Or a stepsister. They're not fussy as long as it's step. You fucking love your you love your stepsisters on black leather couches. Not about that. 
For people that don't know, that's a reference to something we did last year in regard podcasting, of course. Podcasting. <laughs> <just> there. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with it my stepsister in a black coach. It was definitely on a live show back in 2021. Yeah, bloody hell. That sounds even weirder. I don't I've, I've <laughs> taken myself a massive hole here. <laughs> You've dug me into a fucking hole, not you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jamie. We'll we'll move on. So <laughs> this I love this. Will you marry me? Is a marriage proposal, yeah? Yes. Will you marry and me is a foursome proposal. <laughs> Will you marry me is a time traveller spoiling the future. <laughs> this is our favourite one. <laughs> Will you marry me is a cavewoman Trying to make Will, who has amnesia, remember who he is. (laughs) (laughs) I love how much I tickled you as well. I love that one. (laughs) I thought it was great. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So... Sober in a taxi. Please stop talking to me. <laughs> Drunk in a taxi. And that's why, Mick, is why I'm emotionally unavailable, I suppose. <laughs> it's so fucking true. <laughs> if I'm sober, do not talk to me, taxi man. Get me to my destination. I don't want to talk conversation with a stranger. Drunk, you're going to hear my life story and I want to hear yours. Let's go. <laughs> When we got when we got that Uber ride after um, primordial from Wolverhampton to Birmingham, and he oh. started talking, I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> was like, and then he, then he shut up, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah!" And it was the lushest Uber oh. ride I've ever had. It was so nice. You fell asleep, I think, about four times, probably to me. Yeah, I looked at you doing that. Yeah, it looks like with, your, with your head down. Yeah, it was a long day. <laughs> All right, it was a great day. That was. It could be a short Absolutely day, but still day. fall asleep. But regardless, it was a long day. Right, do me a favour, because I know how much you fucking love joining in. Don't join in with me here, okay? Because you need to hear the lyrics, all right? Okay? Okay. Here we go. That's me in the corner. That's me in a cock fight. Losing to a pigeon. (laughs) For fuck's sake. (laughs) And I think that's how R.E.M. should have sang it, to be honest with you. I think whenever I hear that song, that's all I'm going to hear now. Yeah. And I quite like that song, so cheers. (laughs) Very well. Say thanks to Jess for posting it. That's why I took it. But it got even better, right? With this absolutely amazing news headline of the Proclaimers 500-mile walkathon ends with 10 dead, 35 injured. Oh. I love these. I've got so many great ones. <laughs> I love this segment. Not because it's my segment, but I just love it because the stupid shit that I find is great. <laughs> Brain, eat that entire pizza. Stomach, look, please don't. Me, mm, pizza. Stomach, I'm hurting so much. Me, oh my God, I feel sick. Brain, eat that dessert. 
me. Okay. Stomach. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> we literally, me and Karis went for lunch today, um, down Friars Walk. The only nice bit they've done up. I went to a cafe and I had a panini and we had cake. And it's like, oh, we'll get a box in case we don't eat the cake. And I was like, you want to get a box? <laughs> what for? So I ate the panini. It was like, the panini was tiny. I was like, oh, it's not enough. There's not a lot in there. Started in the cake, finished it and went, oh, God. I hate I that. I can't eat for the rest of the day. Oh, I hate it when that happens. You get surprisingly full. You're like, this isn't a lot of food. I'll be fine. Destroy it like, two minutes later. You're like, whew. It was for two minutes. <laughs> Depends on who. Ah, no. I just Henry the Hoover. <laughs> oh, that was delicious. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm feeling bilious now. Oh, oh I literally had enchiladas. <laughs> you know how much I love enchiladas. Oh. And I had five of them. And I was just tucking in. But I didn't realise that I was literally like, I mean, the, I, I almost ate the plate. That's how much I was enjoying it. To the point... I started hiccuping. I was like, why am I hiccuping so much? And I was like, I feel really sick. And I realized I had like a half left. I just sat down three minutes ago. Jesus I was like, Christ. Oh my God, I feel so sick. And I was like, um, um. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Three minutes and you hit three and a half. And you're like, it was literally about three or four minutes. Yeah, and I was just like smashing him in my face. And I, but I wasn't paying attention at all. But they were in like three. It wasn't like in little tiny segments. It was like big chunk, big chunk, big chunk, gone. Big chunk, big chunk. You know what I mean? That's like, <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. Iris hasn't even sat down yet. She's still walking across the living room. Playing. She was. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> If you had won $30 million and your mum's left eye cost $20 million to fix, what would you do? She's seen enough. <laughs> <laughs> fucking eye, I'm paying $20 million for a fucking eyeball. Buy an eye patch, be fine. You'll adjust. <laughs> I feel this is you. This is not from this is not for me because I don't do kids. Literally, I don't want them either. But <laughs> thanks for I, that. That. <laughs> I dug myself up. I was like, shit, I'm out real quick. <laughs> I generally don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to have children. You are telling me they're suggesting ice cream for dinner and picking up another dog on our way back, and I have to say no, and that's not a great fucking idea. Laughing my fucking ass off. Sorry, but I'm not fake. <laughs> Could, I, I can't even deny any of that, considering what I told you, Olivia had ice cream for fu- ice lolly for breakfast while we were in Spain, so there we are. Hey, I didn't give it to her. I hope not. <laughs> you call it OCD. I call it put that fucking shit back where you found it. Yes. Yes. All of that. God, that drives me mad. Normal cat. Meow. Texan cat. Meowdy. <laughs> that might be the dumbest journal entry of all time. <laughs> two more. Two more. I will get out of here. All right, two more. I will move on to the piece of resistance. Oh, yes. 
Somebody asked this question online. How do I stop my husband from going goblin mode during sex? <laughs> my husband says goblin mode activated when we start to have sex, growls and acts like a caveman. Then says goblin mode off when we stop. And then pretends to not know what the fuck I'm talking about when I ask him about it. <laughs> Lady, your husband is a fucking hero. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I just found it weird and was like, that's going in because it's odd. It's like the idea acting like you've got complete amnesia so you can act like a knob. Pikachu, <laughs> why choose you? <laughs> <laughs> And finally, Jamie, this just, I just loved this. At the age of 65, my grandmother started walking 10 kilometers a day. She's 92 now. I've got no fucking clue where she is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. That was not my favorite bit ever. I had to, I know that. I had to, because that was another edition. (laughs) Oh, Tom's journal. Oh, that's an impressive record journal. Two of the dumbest fucking journal entries ever, but they are superb. <laughs> fucking me, Audi. <laughs> I do love it, but it's so dumb. <laughs> oh, but oh. this is what we're all here for the piece of resistance Jamie shall bring in. Oh, yes. Welcome to the Chronicles of James Scarlet. James Scarlet is one of the organisers and band bookers for not one, but two of the biggest independent music festivals right here in the UK. Two fantastic festivals. You've got 2,000 trees taking place this year between the 5th and 8th of July. And check these out for some headliners. Softplay, formerly known as Slaves, Bullet for My Valentine, and Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. All in a field just outside of Cheltenham. Bring that on, please, ladies and gentlemen. An incredible, incredible lineup. And, of course, there's the Arctangent Festival as well, 16th to the 19th of August, in Bristol, you've got Devin Townsend, Converge and Haylung, two very different yet amazing music festivals. And this man pulls it all off. It's absolutely incredible. And you get to find out just how he does it in this incredible interview. We do. I want to say a massive, massive shout out to Haley and Matt at Good As Gold UK. Thank you so much for uh, booking this for us and organising it all. It took it took some serious doing, put it that way. Um <laughs> Or as I said, we just obviously try to get three people together. It's, it's just how adult life is when you try and arrange something and it's like, oh, I can't do that. Sorry, oh, sorry, someone can, can we do this? Time? Oh, something's coming, you know. But no, we really, really appreciate your persistence and for getting it over the line. Thank you so much. It was an incredible conversation. Um, so we are very, very excited for people to hear this one. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a doozy. And James, thank you so much for taking the time out. I feel very, very, very busy day, schedule, life. Uh, to sit and chat to us two idiots for an hour and a half. It was great. We absolutely loved it. Jamie! Yes, sir. Do you have any final words at all for anyone out there or our guest? Just a massive thank you to our guest. And boys and girls, you are going to love this one. You want to find out the ins and outs, the inner workings of music festivals. 
this is the place to do it. Check it out. Especially if you're a Trees and Arc Tangent fan. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We. Go. Ladies and gentlemen. Interviewing this week from 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent Festivals. It's James Scarlett. Ah. How you doing, fella? You okay? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for asking. No one really asks. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> um, no, we really, really appreciate you doing this, James. I know it's been a bit of back and forth with timings and dates and stuff. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to sit and chat to us. All good. All good. Is it, um, is, is it videoed? Yes. 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 Cool. If that's is that okay, right, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. It's just It's good to know, isn't it, before you uh, start, you know... Oh, 100%. Pick, picking your nose and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'd still use the video anyway, but we just thought we'd ask to be put Yeah. <laughs> um, so essentially, uh, just a bit of a rundown quick, uh, Jamie is going to do a really nice introduction just to lure you into that false sense of security so you feel quite comfortable. Like, do you know what? I actually quite like it here. And then we're going to yeah. absolutely bombard the living crap out of your questions. How does that sound? All good. Sounds great. Fantastic. Beautiful. Um, language isn't a problem here. Just say whatever you want, as long as there's no C words. We don't really like the C words. Okay. You're all cool. groovy. As much as we'd like to say them a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get my intro out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another fantastic guest. As the summer months are approaching, us music lovers are looking forward to one thing. Festival season, baby! And this week's guest is so kind and generous that he doesn't just bring you one festival to enjoy, but two. He's far too kind. Today, we speak to the founder, organiser and band booker for the 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent Festivals. Boys and girls, join us as we bring you the Chronicles of James Scarlett. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You could put I your bio now. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, I suppose we should start off really with the past couple of years. Like the pandemic obviously hit the music industry quite hard. Um, yeah. So, how have the last few years been for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, COVID wasn't great. I mean, it was it was just a bit um, in 2020 in like March, April was just a bit terrifyingly unknown for festivals. I think no, because there was no precedent for it. Um, you know, there's precedent, I don't know, 200 years ago or whatever, but there's no, like, if you're a music festival organiser, you can't go, oh, what did we do last time? Or what did someone else do? It was it was very, that was scary, very unnerving. So I spent a lot, about three or four months in 2020 just walking around on the phone to my business partners, just being like, what what do we do? What's happening? Is there going to be a, spend, you know, you spend a few months saying, is there going to be a festival in 2020? And then we spent, another 12 months saying the same about 2021 and there wasn't either. So yeah, it was, it was pretty mad, but um, we were lucky. We had, we did an amazing crowdfunder for both of our festivals that raised loads of money from our audience, um, which, which sort of helped us keep the lights on and we got an arts council grant as well. So um, yeah, it was pretty bonkers, but um, we're still here. And like last year was the biggest 2000 trees, ever and it was the biggest arc tangent ever there's like both festivals sold out so it feels like a we're in a really positive place we've we've come through the pandemic like more uh sort of 
I don't know, bigger and better than we ever were, which is like great. And I didn't really know that that was going to be the case. If you'd asked me in April 2020, I would have said, I've no idea. It's crazy, man. Like, obviously, I think everybody got the hunger and the thirst for it, didn't they, in 2022. They were like, I just need to get in a field with a crate and hear as much loud music as I physically can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 totally how I felt as well. Um, and it was cool to get a taste in, in 21. I went to the download pilot and I went to Bloodstock. Um, that was great. But yeah, 2022 was like the full, the full return. So it felt good. I'm amazed that people actually came out clothed. <laughs> we can actually yeah. go outside. Yes. <laughs> I could just imagine those phone calls, those initial phone calls when you talk to your business partner, just pacing back and forth going, shit, 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 shit. What do we do? Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was usually holding a beer at the time because it was kind of calming my nerves. But, uh... It's nine in the morning, but we're locked down. Who cares? Shit. Yeah, yeah. That was a that that did make it more acceptable. <laughs> For morning, morning <laughs> drinking. Not that I'm encouraging anyone to do that. Lockdown's over now, people. It's not to faux pas again now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but take us back, sir, to the days of young Master Scarlet. What did young James want to be when he was growing up? Because I can't see a young kid wanting to grow up to book festivals. No, um, I, I mean probably a footballer. I guess probably. Uh, I mean, I probably wanted to. I don't know. I don't want to make you hate me. Probably wanted to play for Man United, and uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I think that was basically it. I didn't. I didn't really. I was one of those kids that throughout my sort of teen years, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It, in fact, it wasn't until my sort of late twenties I had any idea that I was even going to be anywhere near the music industry. So it's kind. Of, I was kind of a weird, um, a weird route for me compared to other people who are like booking shows when they're 17 or whatever I didn't do that at all so yeah football nice I can imagine you know Ferguson was like sorry James it's not for you go fine I'm gonna go book some festivals then I'll see you later (laughs) yeah it was was pretty much like that (laughs) (laughs) but what I find mental though about like schooling and university is like by about 16 they go so what do you want to do then what do you do with your life you go I don't know like, yeah. A lot of people go to you, don't they, and just study what they like at the time. And then by the time they finish, they go, well, I don't want to do that anymore. No, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that's basically what happened to me is I I was, I don't know, I did economics A-level and I, and I did well in it. So I did it as a degree. It didn't like, that was basically the entirety of my thought process. There was like <laughs> no plan. I'll just do economics. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it didn't, uh, yeah, it didn't immediately scream festival organiser. <laughs> To fair, I'm 36 and I still don't have a fucking clue what I want to do. So it's, I don't know, a 16-year-old's supposed to know. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, well, by the time you've done it for three years and studied it, by the end of it, you're like, I'm sick of this now. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this subject anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a weird one, I think, because I've got a, a five-year-old uh, kid and uh, I've, I think quite a lot about what I would tell him to do mm. Like if he asked me for advice, which he may well do one day, I like because I think everyone like when I was growing up, you were supposed to if you could, you could you would be a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. That like, and then everyone would be proud of you. But all the lawyers, doctors, and accountants I know are like mostly miserable and hate their jobs. So although they've got big houses, they're not very happy. So whether or not that is actually the way to go in life, I don't really know. Um, so it's like, what what would you? I'm, I'm talking to myself, really, but like, 
I don't know what 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 do you advise someone to do? You know, you're not going to be the Man United striker. It's not actually a realistic goal in life. So I don't know. Never know. Could be someone's a Man United striker. It's possible. Maybe. Well, my five year old did score four goals yesterday morning at his. <laughs> it's called Little Kickers, and it, and I was properly being competitive. Dad, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> God, son, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's running up and down the sidelines. <laughs> it was pretty much like that. <laughs> so, obviously, you're known for running of these two festivals, but did you have a background in the world of music beforehand, playing a band, whatever it might be? Well, I, I mean, I played in bands, but not in a not in a professional sense, just as like a hobby, just the same as I played football. I, I played in bands. You know what? You know, I think it's easy to forget that the best bit of, like, playing in a band or playing sport or whatever is when you're not caring about anything else other than just doing it. Like when it's a hobby, is it when it's at its most like pure and best. So I did all that. I went, um, but, but not anything even remotely close to like professional. And I, I was brought up in a village. So I don't think we ever really thought about the fact that if you were in a rock band, you would be famous. It was just like those people like, those bands that you were listening to were kind of like superhuman and they all came from London or whatever. It never really con- occurred to me that that would be a thing. So I'd, we, we just used to play. Um, but yeah, I, but yeah, I didn't have a background in music and, and until we started 2000 trees, I had never, I'd never done anything. I'd never promoted a show. I'd never put on an event. I'd never, I didn't know any, any bands or any managers or anything. I knew, knew basically nothing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so what exactly spurred you on then to be like, screw it, I'm going to start a festival? Um, well, it's because me and my friends uh, had jobs that we sort of, well, some of us hated our jobs. I really didn't like my job, um, and and we, I think some of us were just looking for something to do, like a hobby. So let's find a hobby to do. Um, we'd started going to a bunch of like what you might call boutique festivals like truck festival is one uh, why not is another and so I, i've always been massively into music massively into music festivals but there was never like i felt like the perfect festival didn't exist because on the one hand you had these really amazing experiences like truck festival was great but i didn't really like the music that much or on the other hand you could go to like download or reading where i love the music but I just felt like the experience was a bit shit. So we tried to combine the boutique atmosphere that you get at a, a small festival with the, uh, with a rock lineup. Um, so that was the idea behind 2000 Trees. Um, but we did it. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We just went, we just like boldly stumbled into it like it wouldn't be that difficult um, without knowing that the true horror of how hard it, it was actually going to prove to be. But um Yeah. We're still here, so I think what, it went okay. What was, that, what was that initial conversation, though, with you and your friends in order to get this idea out there? Um, well, I mean, it's important to note that this is not a this was not a business idea. This was a hobby, and we were just drunk at Reading. We were sat around the campfire talking crap and basically saying we used to go to Reading Festival every year when it used to have lots of rock bands on it. Um, and yeah, we we just had too many beers and decided we could do something better and then the next the next day like on the monday when we were all back at work someone sent a message to the group saying was that a drunken conversation or 
are we really starting a music festival? And then someone said, yeah, let's start. Let's start a music festival. And we did. That was, that was in August of 2006. And the first 2003s took place in July 2007, um, which is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> we went from a drunken idea to 11 months later, there being a festival. That's incredible. I was expecting yeah. it to be like two or three years down the line or something. That's nuts. Yeah, well, well, if someone came to me now, like I, I often get asked for advice from like event management students and festival students and stuff. And if they came to me and said, I've got an idea, I'm going to start a new festival in 11 months, I would say, you're mad. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, like at least you need at least two years. I mean, yeah, but it was okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're going from strength to strength now. I mean, look at it. But the, I've never, ever heard a bad thing against 2000 Trees. Everyone always absolutely loves it and always pre-books their tickets like the day after it finishes for the next year and that sort of thing. So, you know, you're almost doing something, right, James? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky. I think there's something about 2000 Trees that's taken on this, like, magical thing where people really just love being there. And I think that's that's... There's a lot of reasons behind that, and I'm definitely not taking credit for all of them. It's just the fact that it's a really beautiful place um, in the Cotswolds. It's a stunning scenery. Um, the bands are all nice. The bands tend to hang out for the whole weekend um, and hang out with the fans. And just, just it's just like growing this like community vibe, which I really think was a very organic thing that we didn't we didn't create. We didn't sit there like scientists in a lab working out what we wanted it to feel like we just sort of bumbled into it and here we are and people love it they really do and we're you know we're really lucky Amazing. i don't want that to sound like i'm saying we don't know what we're doing because we 100 percent do now <laughs> i mean people ask me onto podcasts because i'm like know what i'm talking about but you we learned that over the last sort of you know 15 years you were saying earlier like this was the first thing you'd ever promoted. You'd done nothing like, but but we attempted beforehand to go. Let's try a small show. If it works, we'll move on to a big festival. Which like fuck it, balls to the wall. Let's go at music festival. Yeah, I just didn't really. I mean, yeah, it just we didn't think about it. We just we just went straight in there. I think again, if I was if I was advising someone now, I would say start small, try and learn some things. Um, I didn't know like if you were to list who the key people are in the in the live music industry. Like you could make a list of about six or seven people, like a promoter, tour manager, uh, booking agent. I mean, if you'd asked me in 2006 to list them, I wouldn't have got, I'd have got one or two of the seven. And it, I certainly wouldn't have known what a booking agent is. And now I'm responsible for booking like 300 bands a year for two festivals. So, you know, you, all, these, all these things could be learned. I mean, it would have been a good idea to start small and learn, but we didn't. We just went, bang, let's go. It's great. I mean, the the thing I like the most about it as well is, and I'm quite intrigued by, you run Thursday to Saturday rather than Friday to Sunday. Why is that? Uh, well, the the, the 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 original reason is is because we all, we always thought that Sundays were quite a damp squib at festivals because basically what happens is like if you take download as an example iron maiden headline the sunday download last year anyone who's a big iron maiden fan is there and going for it but anyone who is a casual fan is like i'm just going to take the opportunity to go home early and i think at all festivals 
that's what happens on the Sunday. People are much more likely, this is just my opinion, to take off the Thursday and Friday of the week before than they would be the Monday. There's just something about Mondays and Sunday nights that I feel kills the vibe of a festival. And they often don't end with this big bang of, isn't this amazing? They end on a bit of a damp squib with, you know, half the audience heading for the car park. So that that was the reason. I mean, often I re I revisit it in my head and think, is that is that a load of rubbish or is that real? It should we are we being stupid here? Um, you know, should we should we go ahead on Sunday? I don't know, but we did it at Arc Tangent as well, and we've stuck to it. Yeah, I think it worked. I think you're spot on. That's exactly what I thought the answer would be. But then I was like, because people gear up for the weekend, they get excited, like they're ready to go for the weekend. Whereas when it gets a Sunday, it's like, oh, I've got work tomorrow. Crap, yeah. and I need to go and get it. I need to get back the travel, trains, and there's like none. <laughs> so it, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. And you could be like, boom, thank you very much, Saturday night. But uh, thanks, everybody. Everyone has a great night. And then goes, right, Sunday, we're going we're gonna to go ahead home. Yeah, so you've got a whole day to like recover before reality hits. And and for me, the reason I I much prefer festivals to to like live gigs, and the reason for that is is because they're they're an escapism thing, where you're not. Yes. When I'm at a festival, I'm like at my happiest, and not. I don't mean at my own festivals actually, because I'm working. <laughs> but, um, I am happy at my own festivals, but it is also stressful. But at other people's festivals, that's when I'm like at peak relaxed, peak happy, because it's it's a real escape. And what you don't want yeah. is to wake up on Sunday morning knowing that you're going to have to drive home that night. It just, it, it kills it a bit, I think. No, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know Formula, but that's a really... And plus, people like to book the week off, not the week and one extra day. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's great. But how did you even know where to start with organising and arranging this? Did you speak to like other organisers if you knew anyone to ask? Um, well, we did know um, the guy, a guy, Ralph, who ran Why Not Festival, we were very tight with. So um, he helped us a bunch. And to be honest, it isn't rocket science, right? You Or, or brain surgery. You, if, if you decided to be a brain surgeon, you absolutely couldn't work it out yourself, right? You would need to get someone to show you how to do it. But you really could. I mean, with, with festivals, it's like if you just think about it, you need a farm and you need to decide how many stages you've got. And those stages need like a PA and some lighting and some power. And there needs to be some fencing and some security. Like you've, you've been to festivals. You could actually, you, if you sat with your mates, as we did, you could write a list of 150 things that you need to put on a music festival. And then, and then obviously, I don't know how people would have done this pre-internet, but, you know, with Google, our friend Google, you can basically just, you can email a sound company and say we're doing a festival and then go and meet them and they they tell you what you need they tell you how much it's going to cost and and you know we just did it bit by bit um we just picked a thing and then you know let's work out how you do fencing at festivals it's not actually really that complicated i mean it's it's just not the the do you know what the only thing here's my here's what i tell students again the only thing that's difficult about music festivals is firstly finding a niche where you're not just copying everyone else and there is an audience and there is an audience for that niche and second thing which leads on from it is selling the tickets those two things are extremely difficult to do and selling tickets in in a very competitive world of festivals in the uk is really tough 
everything else, you know, after doing it for 15 years, I think putting on a festival is basically easy, really. But selling tickets isn't. Does it kind of like blow your mind a little bit? It's like, how much of the paving? Do we, you know the weird black plastic paving thing? It's like a rain and everywhere, that sort of thing. And like fencing, especially for a massive like venue, whatever else. Like it's those kind of things I don't think people think much about in a way. Because it's like, oh, how big is it? And how much do we need? And obviously, yeah. you know, and then get the paving down. And get, but obviously, I think you get blessed with being in July because it doesn't really rain all that often. Well, I mean, now it does. but Yeah, yeah well, it doesn't rain. It hasn't rained at two thousand trees, really, for about eleven years now. Um, but when, but when it did rain, it, it rained a lot. Um, so you know, yeah, all that, all that, that that's trackway that you're talking about. So you've got some some trackways for people to walk on, some trackways for heavy vehicles to drive on. Um, yeah, it's just another cog in in the in the sort of wheel of stuff you need to book. L- let me be clear though, the first year wasn't great. It wasn't like a, a, some amazing festival. It was cobbled together just about okay, and a thousand people had quite a nice time um, with a few bands that people would recognize, um, like In Me and Frank Turner. And um, it wasn't amazing though. And we didn't have any trackway. We definitely wouldn't have, we wouldn't have spent, it wasn't, I don't know if we thought about it or not, but we didn't want to spend money on that sort of thing <laughs> at that time. So. <laughs> So where did the name come from, Bo? 2000 Trees? Well, it's, a, it's a great name. It stands out. Where did it come from? Um, well, I mean, we had some, we had a long time trying to choose a name with that, and we had some bad. There's there's a spreadsheet somewhere with all the ideas that we came up with. Um, but we we were, um, I don't know, we I, I was going through a particularly militant environmental phase where I, I was like, I'd given up flying and I was going around telling everyone that would listen that they weren't being green enough and we're all going to die. Um, and I, I still believe all those things, but I don't, I've, I've sort of learned to live with it and keep it to myself a bit. Anyway, so 2000 trees kind of came out of that. There was 2000 people supposed to come in year one. Um, although it was only a thousand in the end. Um, and it was, it was basically just a green festival idea about planting trees. Really. It's a, I mean, it, that is a rubbish answer, but it is the truth. <laughs> one, day, right now, no. one day I'm going to make up a better answer. I always think, <laughs> why don't I just make a story up? That would be way better. <laughs> we we want the truth. We like the truth, James. I remember do you know, when Biffy Clyro first started getting big, they used to get asked in every interview, um, how did you come up with a name? And they basically just used to tell a different story in every single interview. And I think that's quite that's a good a- way to do it. <laughs> but what do you remember from that first year there apart from no doubt absolutely lots of stress but is there any like you think back to you're like oh i remember that um yeah i mean it it was mad stressful i mean honestly now if you saw me at 2000 trees i am pretty much mostly the picture of calm i'm standing watching a band having a beer chatting to my mates that but back then i was running around like a headless chicken alongside the other organizers um it was pretty terrifying but i do remember right at the end of the festival there's a band called brigade that some people remember um uh uk rock band what one of the guys is uh the brother of charlie simpson from uh busted and fight stuff um and uh they they were sort of like playing in the like 
early evening and the sun was setting and I just remember it it was it was like the end of the festival and me and my mates are down I say my mates like the guys that I organized 2000 trees with um and I just remember us exchanging looks of like yes we did it it was like there was a real like it should have it'd be like the end of the movie the cheesy music comes on and everyone's just like happy and yeah we did it it was the we did it moment so we did have that I mean there were lots of tears and it was stressful. Um, it, but it's a bonkers thing to do if you don't know what you're doing, which we didn't. So, yeah, it was uh, it was just a good thing to get through and still be alive at the end of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you, like you say, it takes so much to plan. Like I say, Tree started 27, 2007, sorry, um, and then you decided that you were a bit more of a sucker for punishment and wanted to do a second one in 2013, and Arc Tangent was born. Yes. So why why did you think, you know, this has been great, but let's move on to Bristol and have a have a full on metal festival? Well, I think I mean basically what happened, the evolution of Arc Tangent is we could see this pocket of sort of left field heavy bands at 2000 Trees get doing really well. And that was bands like And Soul Watcher from Afar, 65 Days of Static. It wasn't like post metal and some of the heavy stuff that we would have on now at Arc Tangent. But it was more like math rock and post rock. Uh, maybe she will um, be in the post rock end, and maybe in Solitary and Fast, slightly more mathy. Um, and there, there was a bunch of bands around that scene. And I think, to be honest, we 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 did have the app at that point. A couple of us had the appetite to do another festival, and it and 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 it was like, right, what what are we going to do? Because you can't do um, another two thousand three. So really. It was like, okay, well, it feels like there's an audience over here for this sort of music and this 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 sort of music, which is right on the edge of 2000 Trees. It's not really core 2000 Trees music. Can we make a festival out of it? And, and we just started it and that wasn't... So the bumbling idiots that started 2000 Trees by 2013 totally knew what we were doing at that point. So we're like, we're like, we're, we're thinking about what the brand is and who the audience would be and what bands we're going to book this year and next year and the year after and and how we'll build it. And and like just things like locating it closer to a city than 2000 Trees was. So, I mean, Bristol, if you go to Art Tangent, you know, half the field is from Bristol. Um, and that that was a very conscious decision to be near to a, a proper hub, which we don't really have at, at 2000 Trees in the same, in quite the same way with Cheltenham. Um, so, yeah, if, it felt like we knew what we were doing, but it was still terrifying because it was, it, we were going totally out on a limb with new, they're what, they're basically in the UK, there was no festival that did what we were going to do. So that meant one of two things, either we, we're really clever and we've come up with a new idea that people want, or we're stupid and there isn't an audience for it. And like, we didn't know that at all. And, and it's been like Arc Tangent has done really well. I feel so proud I'm almost more proud of Arc Tangent because we did it with like a plan in mind and thought and thought in mind, and we aimed to do something. And without bigging ourselves up, I really feel like we've achieved what we aimed to do. Um, and now it's like this haven for like left field heavy music, alternative heavy horrible music that the majority of the country hasn't heard of any of the bands. But there's like ten. 10 to 12,000 people there every year absolutely loving it so I'm so like chuffed that it's worked out really 
Did, did you want to make this one stand out to be different from Trees or did you just look at it as its own separate entity, not really bothered about comparisons? Well, no, yeah. We, well, we certainly didn't want to steal any audience from Trees. So if there is some overlap, but there are, there are, there are maybe 5% of the bands that play at either Trees or Arctangent would work on the other one. It, there's some bands like Black Peaks is a good example. Or like if you if you talk about big bands, like Deftones would work at either festival, Faith No More would work at either festival, Biffy Clyro probably. But um, it, and like we've got Converge this year at Arctangent, I would definitely book them for Trees. Um, but there isn't that much crossover between the two, so it was very much like let's make something totally different. Um, and it felt like Arc Tangent would always be smaller than 2000 Trees. But I'm not actually sure if that's actually going to be the case in the long term. It feels really like, it, like sales are rocketing this year and we're just feeling really good about it. So, um, And the beauty of those people is, the beauty of the Arc Tangent audience is they're quite easy to please. You, you've basically got this pool of bands. You know who they are. I know who I want to book. You know, obviously, you know, bands that haven't played, I want to book the Mars Alter, I want to book Mark White, I want to book Sleep. Um, you know, um, I want to book Isis. You know, basically, <clears throat> it's easy to be like, if I book any of those bands, everyone's going to go mad for it and it'll be, it'll be great. Whereas 2000 Trees is a much more, way more diverse audience. <clears throat> You're pleasing a much wider group of people. The sort of, one person won't have heard of At The Drive-In, the next person won't have heard of You Me At Six, and the next person won't have heard of Enter Shikari. And it's like, how how are all these people at the same festival? It's like, they, they although it is a, it's a rock festival, it's very diverse in its, um, in the rock music it has. How do you uh-huh. um, decide on who to book? Because you say like 2000 Trees is way more difficult than it Arctangent is, but... How do you sit there and go, right, boys, who's headlining this year? Who are we going to have here? You know, who's going to, you know, be second to last, et cetera? Who's going to open the festival? Well, so it doesn't, uh, the first place that any festival will start, and even, and that's download, uh, like really big festivals as well, is who's available. Because if Metall- Metallica, as an example, haven't played download for about over 10 years, I don't think. It's a long time since Metallica played download. They've sold the best tickets they've sold for years this year. And why is that? It's because of Metallica. So obviously every year they'd like Metallica. Who they download one? I think it's fair to say download want Metallica to play. Why are they playing this year and they didn't for the previous ten? Well, it's because they're available and they're in Europe and they want to play it. And and you can basically go for any festival and it's the same. Like okay. who who's who's headlining two thousand trees this year is from my list of headliners, which might be a hundred bands long. They're, they're the ones that are available and want to do it this year. Um, and that's the same every year. So I've already got offers out for 2024 for some bands. And they're my like first choice, right? But they've got about a month. I mean, we're currently, we're not even at July 23 yet, are we? I'm going to give them about another month. And if they don't say yes, I'm going to go and look at my second choice. And you basically just work your way down. Um, and you're trying to curate... I think it's quite important to try and create a bill that appeals to young rock bands and older rock bands as well. And I say older, like 
it's mad how bands suddenly become old. Like, 100 Reasons are playing this year. And, you know, they were at their peak in, uh, well, when was the debut out? Like, 2002? 2001. 2001. 2001. 2001. So, you know, that is a long time ago now, isn't it? Um, So, it's just, uh, yeah, trying to trying to appeal to lots of different people and like there's there's 17 year olds discovering music right now that we don't even know about and they're going to make it the next big thing and there'll be Mm. some of that will be rock music and that rock music will end up on 2000 trees it's quite a it's quite like a a roller coaster 2000 trees is the the world is moving if you're going to be commercial and like popular that world is going to move whereas arc tangent feels like there's new bands and old bands, but they're not like veering off into new genres and like pulling bits of pop music in and pulling bits of electronic music in. And <laughs> like, whereas, yeah, Trees is more. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making yes. sense. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, you are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just going back before, we asked about where the name for 2000 Trees come from. Arc Tangent, that's a very different name for a festival. Where did that name come from? Yeah. So that, um, uh, we basically got out all my records and CDs and read through them, shouting out festival names from song <laughs> titles. So, like, literally just going through the whole of the Mars Volta back catalogue, trying to find an, a festival name out of it, and then literally just going through everything. And um, Arc Tangent is the name of an album by Earth Tone 9, who are like a sort of tall-influenced UK metal band, um, great band. They've played Arc Tangent. They've actually played the album Arc Tangent at Arc Tangent, which is nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it sounded right. And it's also for those math fans out there, it's got a math <laughs> Arc It is a mathematical thing. Um, I did maths all of them. I can't even explain what it is now. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, so we, we added some math rock on our festival, so it kind of worked as well. Um, so, yeah, I love I loved that name. I, I really feel like the name has worked for the festival, and it it's just, like, perfect, yeah. Your venue choice is interesting, because obviously I know Trees came first, but it's in a farm in Cheltenham. And obviously, it's people mainly go for obviously near a city. I know Bristol and Birmingham are close, that sort of thing. But you kind of associate download like Nottingham Way, uh, Derbyshire sort of thing, and obviously Reading, Leeds. So obviously, why? I mean, I love it because obviously, me and Jamie lived there for years. Uh, we've recently we've both moved away, but um, it's kind of kind of cool in a way because people that live in Cheltenham, I've got loads of friends there. Like, yeah, it's in Cheltenham, like hundred reasons and hell is for heroes. You know, Frank Carter and Bullet My Valentine are playing in Cheltenham. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be honest, like I said, all the decisions we made in 2006 were stupid ones. And <laughs> and they weren't based in, the, they weren't made in the right way. Um, so we decided Arc Tangent in 2012 because we wanted to be near Bristol. But for, for 2000 Trees, we all lived in London at the time. Uh, all the organisers apart from one. And guess where that organiser lived? Cheltenham. <laughs> it's like, we can't do a festival in London. Where can we do it? I can't think of anywhere. Let's just go to Cheltenham because we know someone that lives there and he's one of the organisers. So we all stay, we stay at Mark, my friend Mark, who is one of the 2000 Trees owners. Um, he We basically stayed on his floor for years 
just trying to get 2,000 trees off the ground. So, yeah, that's that's the reason. What a stupid reason to choose a location. <laughs> it's great, though. It, it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's worked. I mean, it what? It's so, honestly, 2,000 trees, one of the most beautiful festival sites I think there is. I love it. I love the family vibe as well. I love that it's gone, like you say, you've gone, for, there's something for everybody, basically. Um, I know one of, my, one of my mates took his kids, I think he's 10 month old and loved it. I had the best time. You know, it's it's definitely got that family vibe about it. I think that's why people love it so much. You never hear of any shit or trouble going down ever. No, mostly people are, are like well-behaved and cool and really friendly. Yeah. That's what nice. I love it. That's what I love about your festivals. Because you were saying, we were saying like 2,000 trees, people take their family. We know people who literally, that is their holiday for the year. You know, that that is what they're doing. Instead of going away abroad, they're going to 2,000 and trees. And I saw somewhere you said in an interview that like the Arctangent crowd are like the nicest and politest crowd you've ever met in your life. So I think your niche is nice and polite audiences. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> and I, and I, I have to give the credit to the bands on that. Because I think it's it's just the nature of the 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 crowd and the and the bands seem to be like one much more so than at other festivals I think and uh, yeah like I mean at Arctangent half the crowd are in the bands and vice versa and like the bands that you play one year and then you come as a punter the next year it's like so it just it just yeah it just creates a vibe and uh, yeah so uh, I mean the Arctangent audience is stupidly nice they're all like. They don't, there's not even really very often mosh pits. It's like, it's just lots of people stroking their beards because the music's <laughs> all quite slow. And, you know, it's just lots of head nodding and beard stroking. It's good. I've got myself involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, involved with like the two festivals, how much time out of your year do you put? into like the arranging the book is this a year-long constant thing or is it like these months here we work on this festival these months we work on this festival sort of thing no it's a year-round thing i mean i've just told you that i'm booking bands for 2024 now so it's actually it's now more than a year it takes and um, really and like i said earlier on the sales and marketing is extremely time consuming that if you were to go on either of our festivals, socials, like Facebook page, for instance, you'd see like there's a daily thing going out. Like tomorrow, I think at 2000 Trees, we're going to announce some comedy. And I think the day after, we're going to announce some spoken word stuff on our stage that's called the Word Stage. And, and on Friday this week, we're going to release our Clash, Clash Finder for one of the days of the festival. It shows you, you know, who's clashing with who, where you can go, who you can see. Now, all of that, just to get that out, it takes a huge amount of work in the background. And there's a team of people doing that, of which I am one of them. Um, and it's basically like that all year round. You're, 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 you're marketing sort of all the time. You're always trying to talk about the festival. And that's, you know, today alone, I've like, I, I did some trackway booking. I booked some staging or I, I finalized some of my staging plans. I had a chat with my production manager and my head of artist liaison. Um, I, oh, I'm doing this chat with you guys. It's like, there's basically like, you have to wear about 17 different hats and um, it's not just, oh, I book the bands. It's, you know, I book the bands and I book the stage and I do some marketing and yeah. And we've got, we've now got staff as well. So there's, um, 
like full we have uh, four full-time employees so yeah there, it's it is a full full-time job basically it's amazing isn't it to see that you know your drunken conversation 17 yeah. years ago was developed <laughs> into this it's just nuts and you've got four full-time staff it must be such a feeling at the, you know at the end of the day yeah it's hard to stand but you have you have to make yourself stop sometimes to try and remember how lucky like how fortunate we are to be able to do this as a job it's a, it's a you know it's a great job really but yeah it's very easy to just end up stuck in the sort of minutiae of work 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 and yet the festivals go by in an absolute flash as well that's the mad thing of it taking all year when they start i really have to tell myself to like soak it all up see as many bands as you can talk to as many people as you can like really just enjoy it because it's all going to be you know how quick a festival goes you like turn up yeah and then it's it feels like it's over straight away three yeah. days have gone um yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you mentioned the comedy the comedy lineup that obviously we're now out today uh because we shared it on our socials as well and raved about it because you've got rob rouse playing and i absolutely love him Amazing. so i'm like absolutely buzzing to see because i think i last saw him do a special like 10 or 15 years ago and i haven't seen him since i don't know what he's been doing podcasting i think or whatever so i'm absolutely buzzing to see him at, uh, at trees it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible but amazing well there's you- a there's a guy rich that does the books for comedy who should take all the credit for that he's uh he's okay. excellent cheers rich <laughs> <laughs> um but have you had comedy i'm trying to think i'm looking at your past lineups and obviously i find all the music have you had comedy and stuff previously yeah so the comedy's moved around a bunch um last year was the first year it was in the location it is now um and so it's always it's a weird thing at a music festival, I think, having comedy, because you've got to get it on at the right time. And we've we've now worked out over the years that basically the evening is the only time it really works for us. Um, but you don't want to clash with the headliner either. Um, mm. So we have like comedy on for some from something like 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Then the headliner's on the main stage. And then you can come back to the comedy tent and there's another, there's the actual comedy stage headliner will be on afterwards so yeah it, it works quite well it's like it's it's like a small tent it's like two three hundred capacity um so if you can get in there it's really like it's a bit like being in a little comedy club um it's cool That's you were saying with clash finders and not clashing with like how do you work it out how do you actually sit there and go right who's got on at what time and how are we gonna how are we gonna split it so nobody you know so we can avoid as many clashes as possible um, well, that's one of my favourite jobs because I'm like, you know, when you go to a festival with a group of mates, there's always yes. someone who's like the guy that you follow around and they're really organised. Well, that that was me when we used to go. We used to go to the like Camden Crawl and to Reading Festival and, you know, a bunch of uh, millions of festivals, basically. And I would always be the one that had the Clash Finder printed out in advance and I would listen to every single band and I'd know what I wanted to see. Um, so... Producing that for someone else is a very satisfying thing. It's like a, it's like you're you're you are really are curating people's experiences then, and you've got and sometimes you have to make horrible, tough decisions, where there's bands that you know shouldn't really be clashing are clashing, and so I try, look if you like, let me give you an example. If you like uh, Frank Turner and you also like. Um, bullet for my valentine that these are two random examples but 
if you like both of those bands, I am not going to apologize to you if they clash because those bands don't sound alike, right? So I, I probably am going to clash them. What I will not do is clash two pop punk bands or two metal bands or two hardcore bands. But if the bands don't sound alike, they are going to still have some overlapping audience. And people get so cross about like, why is this band clashing with this band? And I'm like, what do you mean you like Frank Turner and Bullet for My Valentine? Like, it, you know, if you want a stacked festival lineup across six stages, there will be clashes. But I spend ages, I'm sat there with the spreadsheet on my knee, on my couch, with Spotify open, just listening to every band. And get, and then I send it to a few mates and I'm like, what have I, what have I got wrong here? You know, and there's one, there's a clash at Arctangent this year, a band called Birds in Row are clashing with um, Empire State Bastard, which is the new... Biffy uh, Simon from Biffy Um, and basically I knew people were going to moan and they did moan but I tried to get I tried to take the clash out and I just couldn't because every time you got to think it's like a game of like moving blocks around and every time I move a band they clash with someone else and it's even worse so you're like I don't know it's it's quite fun yeah, I was gonna say it sounds really fun and really stressful all at the same time. Yeah, 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 it is absolutely. You're doing the best you can, though, James. So people can't be angry, can they? Yeah, and so... look, I, I am. I bet you there weren't many people that watched as many bands at Arctangent as I did last year. So I'm trying to curate the best experience because I am running between stages just like everyone else is. So yeah. So, so what you're doing is as long as the bands I want to see don't clash, we're good. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I'm in charge here. I'm seeing the bands I want to see. All right. Yeah, that is exactly it. <laughs> so, I was saying earlier, like how you're booking both bands all year round. Do you have like a process and a way to keep? Because if it was me, I am absolutely useless. I would get so mixed up. I'd be like, shit, I've just booked a pop punk band for Arc Tangent. Fuck. <laughs> so, do you have this process of how you keep it all separate? Yeah. Well, I mean, I basically got. A, a spreadsheet with the all the stages and all the different slots and it's got budgets on there as well um and yeah i i don't tend to offer i'm not i make all my offers at one go so i'll, I'll spend a few weeks if not months planning the lineup and then i'll mm-hmm. send 40 offers out in one go um and then i'll spend mm-hmm. another few weeks and then i'll send another i'll send i do like batches of offers because you change your mind often and you're like, oh, no, I don't actually want to book that band. I'm going to book this band instead or whatever. So, yeah, it's um, I've never yet booked a pop punk band for Arctangent, but <laughs> I'd like to see it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've lost track of the amount of times we've heard the word spreadsheet in this interview. I'm going to tally it afterwards. Oh, so do you know what my, you're my, a lover of spreadsheets. I can tell. Yeah, shit, that is embarrassing because my, my brother... Uh, <laughs> always takes piss out of me he's one of the 2000 trees organizers and he calls me the king of spreadsheets basically you can't organize a festival without without a spreadsheet many many spreadsheets it's it's, it's, it's organization at the end of the day what would you do if you didn't have spreadsheets you'd be absolutely knackered exactly (laughs) yeah who's playing saturday uh at what time uh i don't i don't know a defavada I've got it on a scrap bit of paper over here. <laughs> it's a scrap bit of paper. It's in one of these books. It's in one of these yeah. books. 
So looking at these events from a booking perspective, as we we're talking about, how do you go about booking bands in regards to who you want on the lineup? Because obviously you said like you put offers out, but how do you decide like who you're even going to put these offers out to? Um, I think it's well, it's a weird, it's a weird like thing between the the organizers and the audience. So I create a festival that you then want to come to. And three years down the line, you've been three years running. And I now want to know who you want me to book. So hmm. it's it's a weird thing. Like I start a festival and I give you the bands. And luckily you're one of the people that I ensnare in our marketing and we sell you a ticket and you come. And then I want to know who you, who you want to book. And your the, the weird thing is your taste is going to change over the 10 years. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm really answering the question. How do I know who to book? Well, a big chunk of it is who the audience wants. And like I said, at Arc Tangent, that is pretty obvious who they want. It's like, these are our six main genres and these are the popular bands in these genres. Go and book them. Um, 2000 Trees is a bit more complicated because it's lots of different audiences. But you, you look at, you know, who's being played on the Radio 1 rock show? Who's popular on Spotify? Who's selling lots of tickets? I mean, it's not complicated. 2000 Trees is just bands with loud guitars, mostly, right? So if they're playing with loud guitars, what venues are they playing in London? Oh, they're playing Brixton Academy. Okay, well, maybe they can headline 2000 Trees. Um, it's like that. I, there's no right... I, I guess a lot of people think that curating festivals is like some sort of art like you're creating this thing for people. And then a lot of people on the exact opposite end think that it's a science where you're looking at loads of stats. And actually, it's neither of those things. It's some sort of mishmash in the middle. Um, I know some festival organisers that love to just, I won't name their names, they love to stroke their chin and look really clever and like, <laughs> and it's all about the art and, yeah. You know. But really... That band was available just at the right time for you, and and you booked them because they fit your festival. Does that answer the question? No, it does. It does. It does. It really does. Um, so it's like a, it's a combination of a science and 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 art as well. I think curating festival lineups. Um, and some look. Let's be clear as well. Sometimes you look like an absolute genius, and sometimes you look like an idiot. And 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 neither is true. Really, you're not a genius, and you're not an idiot. You're, I'm pretty good at booking festival lineups. And sometimes the right bands fall into your lap and you're just like, oh my God, this is the year. This is the best year ever. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't look quite as good as the previous year because who was available? Um, there's no such thing as a festival that like gets better every year. Mm. You can't just have a better lineup every year for infinite years. It's, how is that possible? It's all subjective anyway. What what one lineup is terrible to one person is amazing to the next person. So absolutely. And my, my brother's got a theory that um the lineups that are the, the most divisive are the ones that sell the tickets because you get loads of noise on social media. So announce a band that people that 50% of your audience loves and 50% of your audience hates, and everyone just goes mad arguing about it. And your your Facebook algorithm. Is, is really working then and it's and lots of people are seeing your lineup and buying your tickets so who knows that's, that's really clever actually <laughs> makes sense 
<laughs> so have you found that the longer the festival's gone on, the more established you guys are as promoters, the easier it is to get bands to commit? Because I imagine the early days are like, this is your first two festivals, what? Yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and festivals go bust left, right and centre. There's been two gone bust this week, two mm. two metal festivals. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Manifest. Yes. Um, I don't know what the other one's called. The other one, I can't remember the name. Before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you first start, agents are very cagey, particularly when, like with 2000 Trees, no, no one, they wouldn't have known who I was and I didn't really know what the process was for booking bands. So it was all a bit random. So it took quite a few years and, and a few embarrassing moments to, to sort of get ourselves looking professional. But even when we started Arctangent and I, and I was kind of known by the booking agents still like still hard work to get it off the ground mm. um so it's like excuse me <coughs> um yeah it's until they know you're like guaranteeing them like a packed crowd and their band's going to play in front of a few thousand people it's they can be quite cagey so yeah <coughs> excuse me yeah you're right <laughs> yeah i'm uh just uh, got a frog in the throat. That's all right. No worries. We are making you talk quite a bit, so it's understandable. Um, I read that you manage a few bands as well. You, you've dabbled a little bit in the old management front, and you also teach event management at, uh, at BIM Institute in Bristol. What made you want to dip your toe there as well? Um, I mean, really, I think people... People in the music industry talk a lot about portfolio careers, which basically means having your fingers in a million different pies. So if one of them doesn't work out, you've got other stuff to fall back on. Um, and over the years, I've done bits and pieces of lecturing. Um, it's it was great in the pandemic because you know I could go and do some go and do some work, keep me busy. Um, and yeah, the band I mean the band management <laughs> was like okay, not great. I I'm not sure. I was that brilliant a band manager um, and I found it really stressful. Um, I think it's the hardest job in the music industry, artist management. You've got to know all the different bits. You need to know about publishing, record labels, live music. Um, you need to have all the different contacts and you need to be prepared to answer your phone at all hours of the day. Um, and every time you do something successful, the band just goes, what's next? <laughs> so I just, uh, I found... I didn't find that that suited my personality at all. You need to be like a wheeler dealer to be a band manager. Um, so, yeah, I'm not. I'm never doing that. I get quite I quite regularly get asked by bands to manage them, like people I know. Some bands, a couple of bands I really love have asked me, and my ego is desperate to do it. But I know I, I know it's not the right thing because it is just not it's not for me. Um, but yeah, the lecturing is um, something I do a bit of on the side and it is, yeah, it's good. I like it sometimes when the students listen to me and I like it. Ah, ah okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because obviously, like you say, you're, like, it's self, you're self-made. You're self-made, so now you're like passing on your knowledge to all the people coming up. So it's like, basically, guys, get drunk in a field with your mates and... Uh, <laughs> And yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to be here. Why are you at university? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Less than one, it's hanging around some cans and let's have a few drinks, kids. Exactly. 
exactly. <laughs> but it is, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to do. And and like some of them are into when when they're into um the genres that I know about, it's particularly satisfying because they they're excited because they already know the festivals and stuff. And some of them have been um to the festival, so that's pretty cool. But yeah. What what do you think it is about your festivals that make them stand out against the big festivals like Reading, Download, Bloodstock, that sort of thing? What is because you know you said thousands of people are coming to these independent music festivals. What do you think it is that makes them stand out? Um. Well, I mean the fact that just being small has a massive effect on how it feels to go to a festival. But it's just like it's better food nicer selection of drinks and like better you know beer or cider it's just tastier um more beautiful location eat quicker to get in the campsite's right next to your tent these are all the things when i said at the start about boutique festivals these this is the same for all those boutique festivals they are just nicer to go to than a big horrible festival there's only one big festival i've ever been to which is nice to go to and that's glastonbury um the rest of them, are, you know, I do have a, a great time at Download, but it, it's like it's yeah. it's pretty intense experience just being at a big festival like that with the toilets and you know the campsite being like a war zone. It's just not that fun. It's the same at Reading. Um, so yeah, I think we, we just it just feels like a nicer place to be at Two Thousand Trees or Up Tangent. Um, and then, as I said, the, the community vibe that has grown, which I'm not taking any credit for, or I'm certainly not taking the credit for, the community vibe is a really wonderful thing um, that just means people are nice. And you can, so I go to this festival called Roadvern. It's in Holland. Um, I, I really love it. Um, and you can basically go to the bar at Roadvern and, and get a seat and sit down and you can be on your own. And you can just say hello to the person next to you and they will talk to you. And you know that they will almost always be nice and they will be into the same sort of music as you. And you can talk shit to them for 20 minutes and it's just great. Um, and I think 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent are a bit like that. I love that. That sounds like my kind of vibe. That, that sounds wonderful. Because like you say about the carnage and stuff with Bloodstock and Download, is it? I'm, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Like it's just when people are like jumping into people's tents and stuff, you're like, why? Like, why do it? Like, I, uh, yeah. It, I, I think as you get older, you're like, I like smaller things now. I don't want to deal with masses and millions <laughs> of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this year's festivals. You've got some amazing lineups, like 2000 Trees being headlined by Softplay, Bullet, Frank Carter, and you've got Arc Tangent with Converge, Haylung and Devin Townsend. Like amazing lineups yet again. What are you most excited for with this year's festivals? Um, well, I mean, there's a million bands. I mean, High Lung are like, uh, I don't know if, you've, you should, if you've never seen them, you should go and uh, have a look on YouTube. But it's like there's about 30 of them on stage. They're all like, it's like a Nordic, um, it's like a theatre performance, they're, but they're like it's like some sort of historical recreation. It's all it's all like very ritualistic. It's mad. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, so that's quite an ambitious thing for us at Arc Tangent to just pull pull that stage show off. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, I think that'll be really cool. Um, 
And another thing at Arctangent is there's a band called Chatpile who just released their debut album last year and it is amazing. And they're coming over to the UK for the first time. So that, and that was something that I, although they are doing some other dates, basically Arctangent was the anchor for that. So I feel like quite proud that I've made that happen for that band that in our in our niche weird noisy horrible world of arc tangent people are really excited about that and the rest of the world's going chat pile who are they um and then at 2000 trees um i'm really excited about the forest this year we we've got this stage in the woods um we built a new new stage last year and it means we can have a bunch of uh sort of it used to be an acoustic stage and now we can have more rock bands and stuff on there. So I'm really excited about the lineup we've got in there. We've got um, Cancer Bats doing their, they do this Bat Sabbath thing where they they play bat, uh, Black Sabbath songs. Um, but and it, awesome. and it isn't, it's not Cancer Bats doing covers of Black Sabbath. It's Cancer Bats trying to sound exactly like Black Sabbath. So it's like a, it's like a, a recreation um, in the forest at night I think that would be pretty cool um, and yeah there's a bunch of exciting stuff going on in the forest this year actually the, the lineup is really strong in there I think so yeah it's going to be good it sounds like a great year for both festivals it's going to be a great time now I don't want to get too political because we don't do politics on this show but let's be honest the, the UK is in a bit of a shitter at the minute like with cost of living crisis and all this stuff going on, has that affected this year at all? Like being able to put the festival together? Um, well, I mean, it's everything's gone really expensive for us. Mm. So, the, you know, just to give you an idea, 2000 trees cost like, you know, somewhere between a million and two million pounds a year to put on. Uh, so things are expensive, like the cost of staging and toilets and water and power and all that has all gone up by anywhere between 20 and 50 percent um so it it's much more expensive and then obviously people have got less money in their pockets as well so we'll, only time will tell about that our sales are really strong at the moment for both festivals so that feels good hopefully those people will come to the festival and buy a beer as well because the the bar take at our festivals is important really important to us actually being sustainable and being able to do this um so yeah it has um i think it probably ha will have an effect but it's quite intangible i don't i don't know how much of an effect um it's a real shame that um the government have, don't really care about the festival industry or the music industry or rock music um and they never will so in some ways there's no point moaning about it because it's not just the Tories. I don't think Labour care either. So, nope. you know, um, so like in some, I've got friends in, in some European countries where they get great support for their arts. You know, they pay less VAT and um, they get loads of funding. I've got, I know people who put on festivals in Belgium and they get a bunch of funding. Apparently, I don't know, I don't know the details behind this, but apparently Hellfest in France, which is, one of the biggest metal festivals in the world is heavily funded by the French government, which means that they can put on these amazing lineups and also create an amazing festival. You just don't get that in the UK. Um, but yeah, hey, hey, you told me not to say the C word, so I'm not going <laughs> to. 
we're right there with you, James. Don't worry, we're right there with you. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Uh, but looking back at previous years at the festivals, like, do you have any particular favourite memories over the years? Just moments that stick out to you when you think back to your career? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all because I'm such a massive music fan. Um, it, those memories are always related to the bands. And I've booked some bands where it is properly like, I cannot believe this is happening. So the the two that really stick out is um, uh, at the drive-in at 2000 Trees, about, that was about five years ago. Um, now, Omar and Cedric from at the drive-in are also in the Mars Volta, who are my favourite band. Um, and uh, that was bonkers, just knowing they were there. I'm such a fanboy that I was. I went up on the stage after they'd sort of done their little sound check. And I was like, just like taking photos of Omar's guitar. I was just like, I'm just like, it's not even Omar that I'm excited about. It's his guitar. Um, <laughs> and like, so it was proper, like, I cannot believe. And me and Cedric, the singer, we had about a half an hour chat, stood by the side of the main stage. And it's really weird experience doing my job where you you have to keep reminding yourself that they're your peers. Mm. That you're not the fan anymore. Although I am, I totally am. But I'm trying to be like a professional festival organiser. But he was a lovely guy. So having them there was just amazing and, and really surreal. And then last year we had um, Opeth at Arctangent and they played my favourite Opeth song. So Opeth were like instrumental for me in developing my love of like progressive heavy music. So weird music. Basically, you could argue that between Opeth and the Mars Walter, that is what made Arctangent because it, it changed my my brain at some point, like 20 years ago, where when I was I first heard Opeth and I was just like, fucking hell. Didn't really know that music could be this heavy and mad and also catchy. And anyway, that their favorite song, my favorite song of theirs, is called Ghost of Perdition. And they played it. I uh, played it at Arctangent. And I was just like, it it's proper like goosebump moment where I was just like, oh, this is just the best thing ever. It's so good. Um, so yeah. That really sticks out. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Damnation is one of the best albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A great band. Great band. I, I think I think it was the 20th anniversary yesterday of Damnation. I seem to oh, I, feel, I feel old now. Jesus Christ. Well, it could be could be could be 15, but yeah. Hopefully it's 15. Just make yeah. me feel a little less old. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Damnation or Dominion with the, was the festival that, that got shut down. That's not working anymore. I'm pretty sure for some reason that's no, Domi- D- yeah, Dominion. That's the one. Oh, yeah, not yeah, Damnation. Yeah. They're friends of mine. They it definitely wasn't Damnation. <laughs> that's a that is a by the way, Damnation Festival is amazing. You should go to that. Um, it's an indoor festival in Manchester. Great, it's a great festival. Yeah, my best mate has already messaged me, being like, "We need to go. We just need to go." Yeah, we should. No questions asked. We just need to go. Gav that runs Damnation does a podcast called Damnation Versus, which you should check out. It's really good. Um, you should get him on here. He he would be an absolutely fantastic guest. He can talk. That guy can. I will write that down. Gav, yeah, yeah. Gav from Damnation. If you need an intro, I could, I can help you. Yes, please. <laughs> Incredible. Before we start wrapping up, like just looking into the future, like. I have a feeling I already know the answer to this question just from talking to you, but who are like the dream festival headliners for you, those bucket list bands? Maybe not even like the biggest like Metallica, you know, just 
those bands that you just love to be able to book that you've tried but not been able to sort of think. Um, I mean, the, everyone knows. I think that knows me that, that I'm going to say the Mars Volta first. They're my favourite band, right? They they'd be perfect for Octangent. Um, I I put the basically I have an, I have a rolling offer in for the Mars Volta every year, so I I've already sent my one for 2024. If they turn it down, I'll just send my one for 2025. <laughs> and, and one and one year will have. That sounds like I'm just completely pissing in the wind, but I. But it's not. It's like a real thing that might happen. I think it will happen one day. But um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So the Mars Volta definitely. When I look at like getting going to the next level of big bands, I would love to book the Deftones. Um, I would love to book Faith No More. Mm. Um, Biffy Clyro would be a really great one. So um, Simon Neal is going to be at both festivals this year because he's playing with Empire State Bastard. So I, I'm going to basically say to him, Simon, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great? That, that, like Biffy, let's face it, are miles too big for my festivals. They've headlined Reading. They've headlined Download. Um, they've headlined Download twice, I think. Um, they're too big for 2000 Trees or Arctangent. But who knows? If, the, if he likes it enough, maybe he's just going to say, yeah, we'll do it. Um, so those, those are some of my... Um, bucket list like i would really love to get bands but i'm more but like mastodon would be a cool one as well um oh. but i feel I, it's weird i feel like the last few years i've re- we've really turned the corner in that we can actually we can actually pull this off now we're these these bookings that seem like they would never happen like out the drive in a nopeth you know devon towns end this year um mm. we can do it so you know who knows Never seen that. Difficult, you know, no one's too big for trees, James. The, you know, I think that would be. I think that'd sell out in a day. Yeah, I think. And the, the other thing is, yeah, I, these they're real people in these bands, right? That want to have a good time, and they play arenas all the time, and it's probably quite hard to like connect with the audience and have them in your face. I think I've got this thing that if Simon came to one of the festivals, then he'll be like, fucking hell, this would be really good. But, you know, who knows? I keep sell- my fingers crossed. Yeah, so just yeah. sell it to him. Be like, come on, you could come on. You could you could do the strip back set. You could play Puzzle in its entirety. Yeah, yeah. It could be a great experience for yourself. Well, I'm I thinking really first, think yeah, first, first three albums. First three albums set. Be great. So, yeah, see? Just sell it to him as this unique experience. Yeah. Okay, yeah we'll hound him down. <laughs> great. <laughs> Oh. Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guest? I do. I do. I do have one. Um, when you first started out as a, a boozy night at Reading, did you ever think that this is where you'd be today with 2000 Trees? Like, did you ever think that you'd be put on two festivals, let alone one? No, I mean, you've only got to have heard the story about how we started to know that there was no plan in mind, no goal in mind. And because it happens gradually, it doesn't feel like it's even it's weird it's weird that like for it to have been so successful and to still be going is is a really amazing thing and no i never like never ever even considered it i was i was amazed that i could book frank turner and in me um which is no slight on either of those but you know to be now at the point where i can even have a conversation about booking like deftones or 
whoever is pretty mad. So, yeah, we've come a long way. So we'll see where the next bit goes. I don't know. I'm excited. Look forward. And, you know, we wish you all the best with it because it, it, like you say, each and every year is great every time, every single time. Thanks so much. I mean, hopefully you guys will come down um, to uh, one or both of the festivals. You'd be very welcome. No, oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, is there, before we do let you get out of here, though, uh, is there any plug social medias, anything you want people to go and check out? Um, well, look, I mean, just come to the field. Come and see us at Upcoat Farm for 2000 Trees or Fernhill Farm for Arc Tangent. Um, you've all got Google, so I'm sure you can find <laughs> the uh, the websites of <laughs> those festivals. Um, but it's honestly, as you one of you very kindly said, no one ever says a bad word about either of our festivals, really. So, um, and that's because they are great festivals to be at and with a lovely audience. So, yeah, please come. We'll be there. Great. I'll be there. James, thank you so much, man. This has been so much fun. Pleasure. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. It's good. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a very busy man that spins lots of plates. So, it's very much appreciated that you took the time to sit with us. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Means absolutely. Thank you so much, James. It's been amazing. Thanks for having me. What an incredible, incredible interview. I absolutely love this one. And it's amazing to learn about the inner workings of how these things happen because you just turn up, get pissed in the field and watch some bands. You don't appreciate all the behind the scenes work. It's amazing. Or when you get drunk in the field watching bands at a festival, you create your own. <laughs> so, you know, kumsi <laughs> kumsa. That was all I'm saying. <laughs> Is all I'm saying. You're going to be like, sat there with your mates going, should we? Should we Should we do it? I mean, the fact they did it a year later is unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, and now he's got two. And it had two hugely incredible festivals. <laughs> so, for everyone that's attending, I hope you have the best, best time ever at Architecture 2000 Trees. And we will hopefully see you there. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people. Because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah. Jamie. It's audience participation time. No, oh, participate, bitch! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge.
This week, I said, the days of the A to Z are gone. These days, drivers are using sat-navs instead with their delightful voices. So with that in mind, who would be your nightmare sat-nav voice? The worst of the worst. So before taking the third exit of the roundabout, let us know. What say you, Mr. Stevens? The creature from the Goonies. Hey, you guys. <laughs> oh, God. Can you It'll take you that? fucking ages. Or the one from Hot Fuzz. His name escapes me massively. Oh, the farmer. Oh, oh shit. What was he says? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they'd be awful, um, I feel. Um, I don't know. Or, or someone from New Jersey. That would be yeah. fucking there. Uh, and it literally would be like, tell, give me directions, but then just tell you their life story at the same time. And like, <laughs> I said Shaniqua, and she did Chicharel. Oh my God. Have you seen this lipstick? Oh my God. That's literally what it'd be like. They'd be like, oh, well, turn right, honey. Anyway, so we just fucking tell him, yeah, don't you dare fuck me up the ass. And he's like, oh, no, I'm telling you, I'm definitely going to fuck you. All right, turn left. Anyway. <laughs> oh, You're God. A bitch. <laughs> By the way, you've reached your destination. <laughs> You're reaching about 3,000 kilometers behind there, honey. But I hadn't finished my story. <laughs> Sorry, I got carried away there, Carol. Never, I've not noticed. <laughs> what was yours? I struggled to think of one a voice that I found really annoying. But the one that came to mind at first off, I was like, this Hero? would be a cheeky fuck. <laughs> <laughs> first off, I thought, this would be amazing. And then I was like, if oh. I actually had to hear this voice for an entire car journey, I might go slightly insane. And that's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Could you imagine? But to start off with, that'd be brilliant. And then after a while on a long car journey, I'm like, I'm going to break my sat nav in a minute. Just please shut up, Gilbert. Do you, do you know who'd be a really fucking great sat nav is? Is James L. Jones. Oh, there's bound to be a Darth Vader one out there somewhere. So he would no, 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 no. That's no, James Mustafa. L. Jones. Mustafa. Mufasa. I don't want Darth Vader. Yeah. Right. We've had the breathing. <laughs> Yeah, bullshit. No, I want. He was in Frasier. I watched an episode of Frasier with him in. And I was like, oh, that voice is amazing. A wonderful voice, really wonderful voice. Or, ju- or, or just, or just John Oliver. There, there's just, yours. I think yeah. that that'd be great. Just hear him tell little stories and <laughs> take the piss out of things. So I think that would be absolutely amazing. Oh, right. Let's get some audience answers. Yeah, let's. <laughs> sorry, let me shut the fuck up. First off, we've got future guest Faith Elizabeth. It says Catherine Tate. God, that would drive me insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, was she at the Eurovision, wasn't she? She was. She was. And I went, please get her off this goddamn screen. She drives me mad. Harrison Westwood says, someone incredibly indecisive. Could you imagine that? Turn left. Oh, is it left? No, maybe maybe right. Oh, I don't know. Go go straight ahead. Somewhere the half then. <laughs> <laughs> Former guest PR Brown says, President Trump, it would be oh. lots of bullshit that just leads you in the wrong direction. So I say to him, like, you need to go left, but then when he gets left, left is an amazing place to go, I tell you right now. If you go left, left is always worth about Left wins. Left wins. I'm telling you right now. Left. <laughs> Donald, where am I going? Left, left is all about left. Just go around the block. <laughs> and that's why we have the greatest military of all time. Jenny Bashford says, my own voice. 
And then Richard Bashford says, my wife's voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true love, that is. That's true love right there. Ruby Goodwin says, yours, as in mine. Gee, fucking you and her can fucking get together. Bastards. That's two. Yeah. Ben Ripley. Groot. You wouldn't know where you're going. <laughs> this this one really threw me off. Nutsy Shelley, Liv Tyler. What's wrong with Liv Tyler's voice? She's got a, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, she has a very soft spoken voice and it really winds him up. <laughs> Poor Liv Tyler. Helen Barrett, Joe Pasquale. Could you imagine? Oh god, that'd be so annoying. <laughs> I reckon the entire time we just go, I know, so I'm not, you know, in the entire time that he's, that's literally what he'd do. And they'd be like, turn, turn right, I know, it's on that, I'm getting you. <laughs> Paulie Dobson drops three great ones. Jar Jar Binks, absolutely, that'd annoy the shit out of you. Paris Hilton, circa 2005. Completely get that. It's a bit like your New Jersey oh. girl. Yeah. Oh, oh my okay. God, like turn left. And. <laughs> The we all wear a mask, Mr. Ipkiss guy from The Mask. We all wear a mask, Mr. Ipkiss. The psychi- Can you remember the psychiatrist in The Mask? Nope. Ah. All right. Becky Westwood says anyone from Liverpool, more so if it's a woman. Turn right. Fucking turn left. <laughs> yeah, fucking play. Turn right. <laughs> Don't fucking like you, little prick. <laughs> Baz Black says, Jerry Keane. <laughs> yeah, fucking. That was about the, I think you're quite. <laughs> that was great. That was fucking great. That was. It was just about Jerry replied to Cyberbully. Stuart Edwards takes the picture I use for this post. James Corden. Yeah, that would just be a horrible nightmare. <laughs> Darren Stevens, my own. I mean, sorry, m- my wife's. <laughs> yes, Dad. <laughs> I see she didn't reply. Luckily for him, she didn't see this post. <laughs> Nathan Benham, Bonnie Tyler, she'll keep telling you to turn around. Yeah, boo. For fuck's sake. Boo. <laughs> Did make me laugh, though. I'll give him credit. <sighs> Dale Campbell. Gilbert Gottfried, like I said earlier. See? Be funny at start. Would get fucking annoying. Uh, Kirsty Darby. Ozzy Osbourne. Could you imagine that? Sharon! <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck am I saying on here, Sharon? Fucking... Is it what? Is it left? Oh, I don't fucking know anymore, to be honest with you, Sharon. I'm not... <laughs> you had an Aussie. That's great. Fucking going rogue at rats and then going right. Is it Sharon? Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did it, Aussie. That was great. Oh, right, I'll give you two more. Mally Malpass, Jimmy Savile. It'd be the creepiest sat nav ever known to man. Oh. <laughs> now then, now then, go right, go right, go bloody right. Now then, now then. Oh, she's lovely. She's only 12. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Stop off the little girl school. Get us get out. Get yourself in there. <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> sorry. No, it's, it's true. So. 
Last but not least, of an answer that really made me fucking laugh. It's our boy Callum Treacher. Get yeah. involved in the audience <laughs> participation. Says, Mr. Blobby, not only would you need not get where the hell you're going, it would also be so jarring. Oh, could you imagine it? Blobby, Blobby. Blobby, 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 Blobby. Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. Especially when he ejaculates. <laughs> Blobby. Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. <laughs> Still makes me laugh. Just a load of pink and yellow. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> there's got to be a Mr. Blobby Satman voice out there somewhere. I mean, I hope there's not, but there's got to be. Yeah, but surely it would actually tell you where you're going rather than putting his... I'd be like, blood, blue. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, Jamie. Let's move on. So we appreciate everybody that joins in the participation <laughs> challenge. Thank you to absolutely everybody that gave us answers this week. We thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. If you enjoy James' participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum's treachings, the interview, and all the wanky bollocks we talk at the beginning, then you enjoy the other 85 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. That's right. I said 85 editions. And that's not including our YouTube channel, where you can get all your hashtag... Uh, WBW Way Back Wednesdays. So they're on there as well. Your Bloodstock Live interviews are all on there as well. Your Bloodstock Vlog is on there as well. And the Dublin Cross Vlog is also on there. There's a lot of content for you to enjoy on the old YouTube. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Google, or Apple, if you so wish to do so. Um, make sure on the YouTube you click that subscribe button. Click the subscribe button right now while you're there. Just hit that subscribe button. Click the bell to get notified when videos are released. And comment, comment, comment. Ta-da. You can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you follow us on there. Uh, share it, subscribe. You know, make sure everyone knows about it. Put gifts in, put memes in, put whatever you want on there. We graciously appreciate it all. You can also, uh, hang on, wait. Before I answer that, Jamie, thinking about it, where else could you find us? Online, ordering our tickets to 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent Festival. Getting down this summer season. And also on the Twitter, at TCOPod. And whilst we're buying our tickets to 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent and looking on our Twitter, where else could you find us? Going back to our YouTube channel and watching our brand new trailer that we just dropped last week and sharing it with all of our friends and family. And also on the Instagram, at TCOPod. You can find us on TikTok at TCOPod. Make sure you go watch Jamie's Chesney Hawks video. You can find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you connect with us on there. You can find us at our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and wonderful little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all of our other on there, all of our episodes and shows are on there, all of our affiliations and sponsors are on there, and our shop is on there as well. So if you want to get yourself a nice, beautiful little Chronicles of Podcast hoodie, T-shirt, Callum's Treachings T-shirt, Rihanna T-shirt, then they're all there for available for only £15 for the T-shirts and 30 for the hoodies. So yes, please get on down to the Chronicles of Podcast shop and get your favourite podcast merchandise. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, please. That'd be absolutely amazing at the Chronicles of Podcast and follow us on all the social medias. And now, a word from Jamie. Before we get out of here, Mr. Stevens, let's say thank you to our wonderful friends. We've got three people to say thank you to. First and foremost, all the music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. And that man is Mr. Singer-songwriter Matt Roberts. Go check him out right now. Go check out his latest album, Light of Day. It's absolutely fantastic. Go check out all his other music. It's all amazing. So give him a follow on all the social medias at Matt Roberts Music. Go follow him on Spotify. Go follow him on YouTube, wherever you get your music from. And of course, go check out his 
brand new podcast, The Songwriter Sessions. It's all on there for you to enjoy. And thank you very much, Matt, for your beautiful music. And of course, we have to say thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy clothing. Go check out www.staycozyclothing.com. You can get one of those beautiful T-shirts that Tom just so beautifully modelled for you there. That wonderful cap that sat right on his head. And of course, there's a brand new drop of T-shirts. There's a brand new drop of hoodies. And there is a brand new drop of mugs. And they are the coolest mugs you will ever see. I want and need them all. There's also a big surprise coming soon as well. So make sure you stay on staycozyclothing.com. Ooh, we like surprises. And then if you enjoy that and you enjoy those surprises, add one of everything to your basket. And when you get to the checkout, add The Chronicles at the checkout and get 10% off your order. A little friend, a little friend, a little gift from Mr. Barry to you. I forgot the English language there, sir. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Learn all about this incredible charity. We have been talking about them for years now, but that message still needs to be spread. It's no good just me and Tom talking about them. You need to be talking about them too. You need to be sharing that message with all your friends and all your family, because if you or anyone you know have ever been treated differently because of the music you listen to, the way you dress, anything, if you are treated differently for expressing yourself and being yourself, then this charity needs your support because it is about time that we stamp out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Yes, this is a UK based charity, but this message is worldwide, it is global. And it is about time we get that message out there. A massive thank you to the foundation for making myself and Tom official ambassadors. It means the absolute world to us. We cannot wait to join this festival summer season and spread that message to you guys in person at music festivals and wherever that may be. So please head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com, like I said, and spread that message. And last but not least, a massive thank you to that handsome devil right there. I totally match what Jamie says, and a massive thank you to you too, my friend. Ditto, ditto. Uh, and there's also a Pokemon, I believe. Um Another absolutely wonderful edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. Another wonderful guest, James Scarlett. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for spending the time with us and one of your evenings because it meant the world. We absolutely love chatting to you and we wish you every success with Trees and every success with Dark Tangent. I'm sure you'll smash it all out the park this year and we're really, really excited to be a massive part of that. Um, and Jamie, thank you to you too for everything that you do. Another glorious episode. Another glorious episode. Guys, we will see you next week for the return of Noel McNeil. Yes, it's going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible. And as for this week, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody.